People actually watch the stuff their friends recommend. This is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. Could I tell you the words of one of the songs which I feel is very important? Yes. This has to do with that good feeling of control, which I feel that the children need to know is there. And it starts out, what do you do with the mad that you feel? And that first line came straight from a child. I work with children do doing puppets in, in very personal communication with small groups. What do you do with the mad that you feel? When you feel so mad, you could bite when the whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do seems very right. It's great to be able to stop when you've planned a thing that's wrong and be able to do something else instead and think this song. I can stop when I want to, can stop when I wish, can stop, stop, stop anytime. Know that there's something deep inside that helps us become what we can. I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful. <clears throat> Looks like you just earned the $20 million. <laughs> How in the heck has that stomp part not been sampled for some like hip hop song yet? Just wanna throw that out there. Well, folks, today we're pulling on our cardigans, lacing up our sneakers, and entering the wonderful world of Mr. Rogers. So, prepare to go back to the neighborhood of make-believe, where the trolleys are always on time and everyone is your neighbor. Greetings, lookers! Welcome to this edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine, the podcast that's one part movie discussion, one part game show, where we never know what we're watching next. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at RedHenMedia1. Look for that red hen icon. And welcome to the second episode of Series 12. Yes, 12. We finally caught up to the number of sweaters in Mr. Rogers' colorful wardrobe. There will be five episodes in the series, and the series theme is documentaries, for which we've all secretly submitted one movie. Now, we all guess who submitted what movie in our Who Done It segment. And at the end of the series, the winner is awarded a Who Dundee trophy along with a bonus prize. And this series bonus prize is a $50 gift card. And that is not all, because you are the X Factor. Yes, there's also an audience choice selection somewhere in the mix. So please go to redheadmedia.com slash audience choice, submit your pick, and we may watch and discuss your movie on the show. Again, that's redheadmedia.com slash audience choice. All right, today we will be discussing won't You Be My Neighbor 2018, which is a documentary feature film that's currently streaming on Netflix. And I would like to be the first of a few of us to welcome you to this neighborhood and our very special episode. 
Hello, neighbors. It's a beautiful day here in the podcast studio. So won't you be our listener? Speaking of listening, I hope you've all got your listening ears on because this week's movie has a lot to say, but it does so without ever raising its voice. Today, we'll be discussing Won't You Be My Neighbor, a film that offers a deep dive into the heart and soul of the beloved Fred Rogers. It's like peeking behind the curtains of the neighborhood of make-believe and discovering that, spoiler alert, King Friday isn't actually royalty. Speaking of kings and queens, let's welcome our guest hosts. They've been practicing their puppet voices all morning, so brace yourselves. Joining us, as always, is the King Friday to my Mr. Rogers, my co-host. They've already crafted their own puppet kingdoms behind the scenes. So we'd better join them before they start taxing us for entering their realms. Howdy, gang. I did it. (laughs) We made it. Yeah, we did it. We got this far and no further. (laughs) With us today, (laughs) you shall not pass. (laughs) With us today, she's simultaneously credible and incredible. The anomaly, Cat Lady Elaine Ramirez. Hey, y'all. Just like I'm always real with my friends and family, I'll always keep it real with y'all, too. As always, grateful to be here. So grateful to have you here in the neighborhood. And the provocative one, Mr. Devin Daniel Tiger Schwartz. Yes, a tiger. It's the best one. Uh, I have a tiger, baby. (laughs) It most certainly is. The neighborhood game. And my good friend, (laughs) the incendiary, wait for it, James X the Owl Pepe. Oh, man, it's me. I'm an owl. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) it's all the hoot just don't pollute (laughs) (laughs) all right so welcome welcome to the show everyone happy to have you all here uh it's actually time to tie up our sneakers zip up our cardigans and start off by checking today's headlines in the neighborhood of make-believe Extra, 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 read all about it. Okay, so Kat, what tidings come from the land of make-believe's local paper? Did King Friday declare another national sweater day? Uh, no, this one, this one's a, a little bit darker. Um, so this Ooh. one says, <laughs> Jeez. this one says, new TV man loves children in a non-pedophilic way. <laughs> well that's novel for this day and age yeah that's what's so great about it um <laughs> we, we went dark right away i love that welcome to the show listeners it wasn't it's getting dark time. in here <laughs> yeah black hole sun all right so let's take it over to you Devin. quick what headlines have you been zooming around on the neighborhood trolley of yours yeah, uh, I actually I found this one in a, in a print paper, if you can believe it, uh, delivered to my hand delivered to my house by Mr. McFeely. I don't himself. believe it, but go ahead. Uh, yeah, me either. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it reads: uh, Local man arrested under allegations of reckless endangerment and animal cruelty after a tiger, house cat, and owl were all found living under one roof. Uh, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah, he had a he had a bit of a hoarding problem in the neighborhood of make believe hoarders. They're in a better make believe. Edition. <laughs> yeah, they're in the they're in the Smithsonian now, or something, right? Maybe, yeah, probably. <laughs> See, from one hoarder to another, just government hoarders. Yeah. yeah, that's what the news says. Network news, ATN. For those of you who watch Succession, 
Uh, okay, so do we... Is that it? No. James, did you pick up any news broadcast from the picture-picture window? <laughs> any updates? Picture-picture window. I know. Yeah, yeah. Any, any updates on the state of puppet housing? <laughs> so I found this... Um... So this headline, this headline reads uh, about Won't You Be My Neighbor, Quentin Tarantino uh, said, I enjoyed the foot washing. (laughs) 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 Yes. Oh, man. Well done. That's really great. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect. How am I supposed to how am I supposed to follow that up? I don't know. You're fired. Oh no, I did well too done. well. Yeah. <laughs> You're threatening me. All right. <laughs> Let me ring that up. That was pretty great. Good job on the headlines, folks. We got we got a nice mix there. Dark, medium, and and just silly fun with Tarant- <laughs> poking fun at poking fun at Tarantino. Okay. So that wraps up today's headlines. Now let's get some context and a little segment I like to call the rundown. When did you need that rundown by? As soon as possible. Okay. Just get it right. Yeah, gotcha. Of course. We're going to dive in to the rundown. I'll be exhausted because it's like a triathlon. Did you want to close this? Dear God, I get anxiety every... Just the headlines is the nice icebreaker, and then it's right (laughs) back to Charles' minor anxiety. It's minor anxiety. Our boss, (laughs) Charles Minor, just demanded a rundown, and... Jim from The Office, if you can believe it, just handed the dossier to our co-host, James Pepe. So let's see what Pepe has for us on Won't You Be My Neighbor? Take it away, sir. Yeah. All right. So this um, Won't You Be My Neighbor uh, came out in 2018. It's a documentary about, um, well, I guess it's a documentary focusing on Fred Rogers, who, well, most of I suppose most of us would know from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Um, it talks about some of the other sort of like less, I guess they were, the the, the documentary sort of uh, suggests that his some of the other shows that he did might have been less successful, like some of the ones he tried to do for adults and things like that. But he's mostly known for his like Mr. Rogers Neighborhood stuff. Um, and so like the brief description IMDb gives of this movie is, uh, it says an exploration of the life lessons and legacy of an iconic children's television host, Fred Rogers, which is which is good. Um, like I said, this was a 2018 documentary, uh, PG-13, surprisingly, because there's some naughty language in this movie. Um, directed by, yeah, yeah. Um, directed by Morgan Neville and stars uh, Fred Rogers, although he's been dead now for a few years. So he was, mm-hmm. you know, it's all file footage of him. But a lot of the other um, people in the movie um were like, for example, his wife, a lot of people that worked on the show, his uh, two of his sons, um, things like that. Um, INDB has this at an 8.3, which is a surprisingly high rating, although it only has 26,000 reviews. It's still a lot of reviews, but 8.3 is pretty high for IMDb. Um, not bad for a documentary. Yeah, not bad. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, so has the... To, uh, the, the impossible <laughs> to pronounce um, thing at 97% mm-hmm. and an audience score of 94%. So this is a, 
Uh, wow. it seems to be a universal, universally loved uh, documentary. Beloved, you might say. Yes. Um, it was nominated for a number of awards and won a fair amount, but it was sort of famously snubbed at the Oscars. It didn't even get a nom. Yeah, uh, I yeah. don't think, and that caused a little a little hubbub. But um, yeah, so it didn't didn't make it to the big time, if you will. But but won a bunch of other, you know, basically every other thing a documentary would it won, you know, or at least got nominated for. So. Um, but yeah, so that's the that's the info. Uh, yeah, let me ring up whatever award it got. Um, but yeah, getting snubbed by the Oscars, I'm gonna also have to give it a. Yeah, big time. <laughs> so there you have it. All right, nice little rundown there, and that's usually where we end with that segment, right? I think so. We don't usually do anything else, but maybe it's time. For the rundown recreation. Yeah. And I'm calling this. Won't you play some trivia? <laughs> Very good. Love it. All right. Yeah. Lower my lower third is ready. What? Uh, so any special rules? How, how's this going to no, work? So out? this is just this is just going to be a first one to buzz. So Jeopardy rules. Kyle, let me finish reading the question first. The one to buzz in with the right answer will get the points. Okay. Um, are you ready? Never. Let's Never. do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This one. This one, Ben. You're going to have a good shot at this because you kind of blew up my spot on this. But. So the first question here. After which letter of the alphabet was Mr. Rogers' owl puppet named? All right, Ben. Ben, I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. We're just shouting it out today. X the owl. Yeah, yeah. X the owl. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All Excellent. Right. Ben, ben is on the board. I can't believe it. All right. All right. Fingers on those buttons. Next question here. So in the documentary, it is discussed that the character Daniel Tiger was thought to be most closely associated with Fred Rogers himself. But as the show went on, people started to associate Fred Rogers with this other pup. Oh, Devin? Uh, King Friday the 13th. Yeah, King Friday, that's right. All right, Devin's on the board. All right, next question he's just a here. Cranky, bitter old man now. Yeah, yeah, he's just <laughs> tired of Vietnam or whatever it was. Not gonna get off his lawn. Yeah, right. the, they did a whole week special on that. Yeah, on it not won't being grow on lawns or on Vietnam. If you, on, on, on not being on his lawn. <laughs> yeah, not being on. Yeah. Lawn. <laughs> but it was a metaphor. For won't grow if you keep playing. That's right. All right, next question. Fingers on your buzzers here. Blood so makes Nick, the grass grow. <laughs> Nick Tallow, the floor manager of the show says that he would steal people, people's cameras and before putting them back, would take a picture of this. I think, I think that's Devin again, man. He's, I think his, Devin got his, it. His bottom. Quick draw. His bare bottom. Yes, his bare bottom. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Excellent. Well done, right. Devin. And we got, to, we got the lead to see right that. there, right? We got to see that good picture. Yeah, that's the PG-13 earlier. That was a, yeah, that was a PG-13 <laughs> moment there. We saw a bare now bottom. Now I remember why. That's right. Yeah. He was also wearing like a mask too. It was, it was very like, King like, Friday mask. Yeah. yeah, it was very. Uh, <laughs> <Hello. eyes wide> <laughs> <shut>. <laughs> yeah. 
right, next question. Fingers on your buzzers. When Coco the Gorilla met Fred Rogers, she did this to him because she watched him do it at the beginning of every one of his shows. God damn, Devin. Okay. She took off his shoes. Yeah, that's right. Took off his shoes. Yeah, Mr. Rogers, first thing he does, takes off his shoes. That is my so victory, adorable. My victory in this run of creation, really, it goes to Code Red. Mountain Dew Code Red. Really oh, man, you're such a gamer. All right. Sponsor him. Send him Code Red. Yeah, right. All right, final question here, you guys. Final question. Finger on your buzzer, sure. So this documentary addresses and debunks a number of urban legends that have cropped up about Red Rogers. Uh, including uh, an urban legend that he might have been part of this armed service. All right, yeah, definitely can. Jeez. I believe it was the Navy. Oh, no, not quite right. Uh, cat, okay. Wasn't it the SEALs, Navy SEALs? Yeah, the Navy SEALs, oh, that's yeah. right, yeah. All right. The Navy SEALs! Yeah, see, Cat was technically correct. <laughs> the best kind of correct. Uh -huh. Yeah. So now the... it's tied between Devin and Cat? No. No, because I only got one. Okay, so we're tied at one and then Devin has two. Am I correct? Yeah, but that was that was the last All right. question. So. All right. It looks well, like Devin's Devin, on top here. Well done. Yeah. So and overall, usual, where are we well at? In our trivia. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Did watch the movie. Uh, it's a trivia a God. Ago. Yeah, it was like moments ago. It's all fresh in his mind. Okay, no wonder. Yeah, good trick. Um, it's yeah. the trick. It's the laziness trick of being lazy <laughs> and right. also doing That's well right. in the trivia. Sometimes it works out, you know? Not always, but sometimes. So where are we at sometimes. overall with our trivia points for uh, Series 12 uh, here? It is a nail biter. Uh, oh man! Me, uh, uh, myself, Ben, and Cat are all tied at six points. Pepe leading a close Whoa. second at five. So yeah, six, 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 wow. and five. Neck this neck. is a very wow, close, a yeah, close neck and neck race. That's crazy. We should get the race cars Jeez. out. The race car graphics could, out again. This could Revive come down those. to that one point you cheated me out of last week. <laughs> it's possible. If I, <laughs> I hope it does. I hope it does because it's going to be this big controversy. We'd have to yeah. testify in Congress. Oh, man. It'd be great. Cat's first Get ready. rundown, her first rundown recreation is bound to be a doozy, and that'll probably screw up the, all the sports. <laughs> Excuse me. Wow. <laughs> I like that vote of confidence. <laughs> so there's still a lot of season. There's still a lot of game to play here, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah, there is. There yeah. is. We're off to a, a very fun start. Well, thank you so much for that excellent rundown. Um, but now that we know a little bit about the movie, it's time to find out who done it. Who done it? We've reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. Winner with the most correct guesses at the end of this series will win a Who Dundee Award. And our current suspects include myself, Ben Mitchell, James Pepe, Kat Ramirez, or is it audience choice? So uh, usually we have the winner of the previous um, show go first, but since um, that is not the case, I will assume that role as the host and guess first. And I'm guessing I'm going to go with Kat this time. I think this was hers. Um, 
she seemed to be pro Rogers throughout our whole intro of the show and made some comments beforehand. So I think that that's what I'm going to stick with going with instinct. But Kat, it couldn't have been you. I have to be wrong. Who actually done it? I believe it was actually you that submitted this film. Um, I think that Fred Rogers, like passion for perfectionism and inclusivity uh, within the media were definitely reminded me of you and how you operate. So uh, I feel like this might be someone that you would possibly admire and would want to watch a documentary about and discuss with us. Well, you are wrong. I'll say that. I've never even heard of the man before. tonight. <laughs> uh, the first time I've ever heard the name Fred Rogers. Um, but Devin, that's one for me and one for Kat. What are you thinking? Who done it? Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to side with Kat in this one. I think uh, this totally feels like a Ben movie. Um, I think, yeah, both what, what Kat has already said, plus, I mean, your age matches up with when the show was on TV. You would have been a kid, uh, you know, or, or definitely during his his uh, middle of his run or so. Um, and uh, I think his... I, I <laughs> How wanna, old am I? <laughs> I don't want to say like starting because no. then that would place you 80s very, run, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, and I think, yeah, his message of positivity totally matches you as a, as a person. So, uh, yeah, if I I will accept the audience as a potential second uh, for this, but if, if it's Cat or Pepe, I'll, I'll eat a, I'll, I don't know, I'll eat a hat live on camera because there's no way. It can't, can't be. All right. He threw down the hat gauntlet. You may see it here later, folks, when he's inevitably wrong. <laughs> um, get your hat condiments ready. James Pepe, <laughs> are you going to be wrong too? Or are you going to be oh, right? Man. I hope I'm not wrong. So this has got to be either Ben or the audience choice because Devin and Kat only recently became alive. Um, and they don't know, they don't know Mr. Rogers. <laughs> they know him as a meme. Uh, yeah, yeah, That guy yeah. from the meme. Um, <laughs> I don't think, Jordan, it, it seems that Jordan is the only one that submits <laughs> movies to our... Uh, no, no, that's not like, true, unless he's using different names. We got, no, we, to, true, to be but... fair, to be fair, we got about five submissions for this uh, one, just to give you guys context. No, I mean, I, I have friends that submit to, but his movies do always seem to get picked. So they, oh, they've gotten okay. picked a lot. I see your point. Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have, yeah. But I don't, I don't know. This doesn't seem like a Jordan movie. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Ben. I think this is Ben. This Three is big, wrong answers big, and one maybe. Big, okay. Big, big Ben energy here. <laughs> a lot of clocks and some energy. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, I believe that's everyone. The audience doesn't get to choose live yet. Maybe someday we'll uh, implement that. So with three incorrect guesses for me, <laughs> I have to reveal if it was actually me or not. Would you believe that the federal government actually chose this for us to watch as a test to see if uh, our podcast is getting too cynical or not? And to see if our grading system like stands up to weights and measures and other federal guidelines for game shows. There's a, there's a commission. Yeah. Okay, you're not buying that? All right. <laughs> okay, fine. Yes, of course it was mine. Yeah. This would have to be this would have to be yes. That is correct. 
Yeah. Yeah. Of course it was mine. Yeah. I love Mr. Rogers. I was so confident yeah. I'd already filled in our names on the uh, correct guest sheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a farce. <laughs> so, so I watched, I watched this as a kid too. Um, okay. But yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ben, you're only a little bit older than me, so I, I was. Yeah, yeah. I, this was this was on the air when I was a kid too, and I watched it as well. Yep, it was when he was starting to do his like weekly thematic stuff. Was when I was watching it. Um, uh-huh. And yep. Yeah, I mean, if we want to get in, if we want to get into that, I, I wanted to say that I also watched this as a kid, and uh, oh, really? As a child, I originally, I mean, like or I guess should say, as an adult looking back, I assumed I had watched reruns. But I mean, the last season aired in 2001. So like, it, I was six years old at that point. I definitely could have watched this as a kid, like new episodes. But also they probably re-ran. They re-ran a lot of stuff. I mean, I watched Johnny Bravo. They re-ran it. And that was made in like the fucking 20s. Like, this old as shit. So like, I, you know, they, they re-ran stuff constantly, especially like Cartoon Network and stuff. But, uh, it was like almost all reruns for a good period of its life. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely grew up with this as well. Watch and reruns. Oh, Kat, did you? I, I did, actually. Well... I wouldn't say I watched it. I remember it being on TV and I remember thinking it was too boring and not (laughs) wanting to watch it. But I remember it being on TV. So um, they definitely had the reruns, I think, because it also wasn't like... Did your your family, did your parents love you and give you the kind of (laughs) attention that that was like, you didn't need that kind of... Because... That may be why. Maybe. That might be why. Yeah. You were already loved by your own parents. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need a TV to, as a crutch like the rest of us. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> I will say the, no, I'm, the, I'm the date that the show ended is is mighty suspicious. It, the final episode aired on August 31st, 2001. And look, all I'm saying is September, bad month for the world. <laughs> like soon as, yeah. he, as soon as he took a break, like, I don't know. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. You like that. The Taliban yeah, wasn't 11, watching the show later. when they were kids. Yeah, Eleven days later, some bad shit went down. Just saying, yeah, stuck around, yeah. maybe. He, which he came, he came back immediately. Yeah, came back yeah, out of retirement. And, yeah. So I'm tempted to do this old man bit where I'm like, well, 2001 was only, and then I just kind of drift off, and as it dawns on me, how long ago okay, 2001 right. was? Jeez. Um, <laughs> yeah. It'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> anyway, what was I saying? <laughs> so yeah mr rogers so now that we know who done it it's time to find out why done it oh boy so i wrote a 23 page essay uh, <laughs> no let me just uh, let me just get through this though. all right so we're going to dive into this week's discussion on won't you be my neighbor which i chose uh obviously it's not really probably as soon as it was picked last week by the dice probably you all realized it was my film um anyway this film obviously hits home for me i'm an 80s kid and mr rogers was more than just a tv personality for me he was like a tv dad i helped shape my sense of morality and empathy and uh for washing my feet in the pool i I, you know that was a good (laughs) idea too and you got to feed the fish and all that stuff so yeah i felt this movie and mr rogers sort of unassuming approach to Empathy and mutual respect is kind of a tonic for the modern world still, I think. Um, and yeah, we're in like this different era now of like social media and we often feel pressured to hide our emotions um, sort of as if showing anything less than our 
Instagram perfect selves is a sign of weakness. But, um, you know, I figure this could be like kind of a gentle reminder uh, that that's like probably um, a good thing to do. Um, I like, uh, I'll just, I'll mention, I made some notes here, some specific notes that I, I don't want to mention so I don't forget. Um, I really like when his testimony into Congress like kind of underlined what I'm trying to say. Um, where he says, if we can only make it clear that feelings are mentionable and manageable, we will have done a great service for mental health. And it seems simple, but it's still like with our society being so complex as, as it is, uh, it's still just a good reminder um, that that's part of the human experience, you know? Uh, so I'll, I'll skip 26 of the pages um, that I wrote and get to the point. Um, so yeah, I, I'll just talk kind of about my, about my watch. I'd seen it when it came out in 2018 and it was okay. Um, I got, I got the, the feels as everyone else did. I, I wasn't surprised that it didn't win an, an Oscar. Um, I thought it was good. I've seen a couple of the other things that this guy did and they were, they were all good. Are you, since I'm on that, are you any, any of you um, familiar with the director's other works at all? I think I see one other thing he'd done, but I I don't recall it right now. Yeah, I'm I'm the name is not uh, popping into my mind, but so with this watch though, um, yeah, there there were moments where like a tear or two escaped, you know, um, just kind of I was touched by the overwhelming kindness and empathy sort of radiating from Mr. Rogers. Um, it almost doesn't seem believable, but uh, everyone has, his reputation still stands as of the recording of this podcast, I guess. Um, so uh, yeah, it seems pretty universally, like even his son, I remember in the podcast was like, yeah, it was kind of hard, like being the son where my dad was like the second Jesus or something, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, people tend to feel that way about Mr. Rogers and um yeah, I just think it's a good reminder just to open that pressure valve of our feelings sometimes. It's kind of a crucial part of what he calls emotional intelligence. You know, just it's 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 necessary for us to validate and accept how we're feeling. And um, yeah, you'll need to do it to keep navigating life well. So it was just kind of like... And I also wanted to see, you know, watching it again, did it stand up? And honestly, I thought I liked it better this time than the first time I watched it, um, just based on my my memory there. But had you guys seen this when it came out? Let's go around and uh, let's get our like kind of 20,000 feet, you know, liked it, hated it, whatever, ambivalent. Kat, had you seen this before? You said you did watch a couple episodes of Mr. Rogers growing up, but you thought it was a little boring when you were a kid. And so how did this go? And were you familiar with him at all in like social media context or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I definitely knew who he was. Um... I think even prior to like social media, I, just, you know, yeah, the fact that he was on TV, um, I definitely, it's a name just like Bob Ross that was really well known um, as a kid. Exactly. So, yeah. So yeah, no, for sure. Like a uh, well-known name. Uh, this is not, I haven't watched this documentary before, but I did watch the um, Tom Hanks film about him. Um, so oh, okay. What was that I called have, again? I can't Do you remember. remember? No, I don't I either. Like a um, wonderful day in the neighborhood or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely interesting. I kept that in, in mind while I was watching this documentary, um, that movie as well. So, yeah. Good. Maybe there's some talking points to be had there. 
So did you enjoy the the viewing? How 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 did you take it? Yeah, I did. Like I said before uh, the podcast, I definitely was crying at the end. Um, so for sure, it, nice. you know, yeah, it it did its job of, Cathartic, of getting, hopefully. yeah, of getting me into my own emotions. Um, so yeah, I definitely I I think it's a very sweet and wholesome um, film about a pretty extraordinary figure. Um, and even though I may have not been interested in his show as a kid myself, um, I understand the impact and the importance that he had. Sure. Makes sense. Devin, you had watched it when you were a kid. So what's your overall, and I also want to get uh, for everyone, your overall sense of Mr. Rogers. Because he is kind of, he's kind of like acknowledged as kind of an anomaly, uh, uh, you know, of a person. Um, like, do you buy it? Do you did was was he helpful to you growing up and stuff like that? This is for everyone to eventually, you know, just kind of think about and talk about. Yeah, so I had I had somewhat grown up with the show. I don't recall it being um a show I watched a lot. I do think I think there was a period of my life where I only had PBS. Like, we didn't have full cable, so I didn't have like. Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon, because I think they were like an extra, like a tier above, but like everybody got PBS. It was like a default channel. So uh, I was kind of forced to watch only PBS programming. So it was um, Mr. Rogers and uh, I want to say Reading Rainbow was on PBS, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. And I can't remember what else. But yeah, there was like a collection. I guess um, Thomas, Thomas the Tank Engine, I think was also PBS. Eureka's Castle, was that PBS? I remember that one. But I'm not. It could have been. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I so remember I, the I, title. I didn't I see the a, graphic. I had a period where I was watching a lot of these PBS reruns of older shows, and um, so I definitely have those like foundational memories. Uh, and I really, I did enjoy this documentary a lot. I think that one of the issues, or one of the the hard parts of like sort of reviewing a documentary, is that mm-hmm. oftentimes there's not a lot of room for artistry in documentary filmmaking because it is like effectively journalism. And uh, while you can be creative within those bounds, it is difficult without coloring the the documentary in some way to, to make it not really journalistic anymore. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see well how, how documentary filmmakers work within those bounds uh, and, and do find a way to be creative. We saw that in Jirajin's sushi with the, the way the food was shot and uh, the addition of music and things like that. Um, and in this film, in particular, we see it with the animations that are added of uh, like the sort of personified um, uh, Daniel Tiger and that that whole thing, which is a really cool theme running throughout. Uh, and I, I did really enjoy that. Um, I'm not sure if I, I don't know something about it felt a little. It, it it aired a little on the side of a news story for me at, at times. It got a little too sort of informative, I feel too like. Too journalistic. And yeah, kind of lost me, like didn't keep me super engaged, um, which I don't know, could just be me. Could I don't know if it was really a fault of the, the film itself, but um, something about it. And you know, it's, I feel like you know, young cat where I was just a little bored at times. By it. Um, <laughs> but uh, How, what, did you find it too over like, sentimental or anything like that or or did those parts work for you i'm not necessarily yeah those parts definitely worked i did i did tear up near the end um mm-hmm. uh, especially yeah I, I i didn't i don't think it ever really uh, got to like saccharine as as pepe would would say mm-hmm. um but uh yeah as far as as far as mr rogers himself i i think i think anomaly is a really good word to use when describing him because 
he manages to be um this like uh, uh you know he is he is a masculine man who does not conform to any toxic masculinity is just like caring and accepting while still being you know a, a male figure a, a fatherly figure um and he is a like religious man but who takes all the right lessons from religion and none of the wrong ones, which is like very uncommon. It's like almost every, any publicly religious figure is at least a, has a, little, a few of the wrong ideas uh, mixed in with the right ideas. And I think he manages to walk that line where he, he took all the right lessons from the Bible and none of the, the unsavory ones. Uh, and yeah, he like sits in this space where he could so easily have been too much of something and he's just he's just right he's, he's the, the goldilocks spokesperson he's like just just right in the middle yeah uh, yeah it works it works great his his sort of like again like another his childishness could have been kind of weird you know you, you could go full michael jackson with it if you go if you're just like a little just a little too much but he manages to keep it mm-hmm. like with within a realm that feels like a caretaker you know feels like a preschool teacher uh and not like a you know weirdo it works it works great i think he's a great guy Old, yeah, old it almost doesn't work, but it works because he really does seem very. He comes across as extremely genuine, and you never see him falter in Absolutely. who he was. There was no time or no story, and there's been extensive interviews of this man's life where someone was like, "No, that he was totally different off camera or something." You know, like they all say he was the, the same. And so I think that probably speaks to what you're saying. I call him an iconoclast, but I don't know if like a lot of people do what he did. So it's like, well, you know, if you're like kind of the only one who did the thing, then how can you be an iconoclast? So yeah, I guess yeah. anomaly. But Pepe, would uh, Thomas Aquinas uh, think this was too saccharine? No, I don't think so. Um, okay. <laughs> Welcome to Summer uh, Break, by the way, Professor. Yeah, thank, thank you. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this was, this was the first time I'd seen this. Um, I knew of it, but I never got around to watching it. Um, and, uh, like I said, I did watch this as a kid, but I think, um, for whatever reason, when I was watching it, I think I was a little too old for it. It was a little too, uh, yeah, it was a little, I don't know. It was a little too slow paced for me or something like it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't a the thing pacing of the ch- documentary, just to be clear. No, no, no. When I sorry, when I was watching this as a kid. Uh, oh, the show as a the kid. Show, okay. yeah. Thank you. I think Thank I you. was a little too a little too old for it. But I see. But then again, I mean it was, you know, one of the interesting things that they talk about in this documentary is that like um, you know, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood was like on at the same time when like Transformers was and Oh yeah, or, or we're, tough, was competing man. with shows Gotta like have the Transformers. Transformers and you know Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. And it's mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there's something about those shows that's like way easier to just turn on and then watch than something like Mister Rogers. But um, I do disagree yeah. with Mister Rogers on that point. By the way, since you're bringing it up, um, I, he, I, I, you know, I get his where he's coming from that there should be more voices like him and like being the only solitary voice in that sense with the type of media he's producing, that's kind of the oasis from the other media. Uh, it's probably too rare, but I think there's a place for all types of, of media and audiences and stuff too, but we can kind of get into that. Um, but yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to also cut you off since you brought it up. 
that's all right. Um, yeah, so I think, um, you know, this, I think I enjoyed this documentary. It was great. I mean, I loved learning about um, Fred Rogers. Um, but, you know, it, there's something about it that doesn't, there was something about it that doesn't have a sort of stick stick to it or it's like a stick to me kind of thing. Like, a, mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm just, I'm feeling it sort of just like sliding off my brain like a, like a fried egg or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I like that that image, but and, yeah, it just well, didn't works. stick. It's not it's not sticking. But I enjoyed I enjoyed the experience. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, no, that's I I feel that maybe during our conversation it will kind of uh, some of the rust will come off of the egg to mix analogies or whatever, <laughs> and <laughs> and we'll and we'll kind of like dig down a little bit more. But any moments that do stand out to you and also did it emotionally affect you at the time when you were watching it how impactful was it um did you have to did you let's do a cryometer here <laughs> was there <laughs> a little choking up a single tear were you in a heap but uh, also 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 i got something else for you pepe a lot of people come right. to appreciate mr rogers kind of even later in life so I'm wondering, since it was he's been big on social media lately, if that has been something of a factor for any of us. That's really for all of us as well to think about. But go ahead. Yeah, you know, I haven't. I mean, Mr. Rogers was like part of uh, was like part of my childhood. But I think I feel like my mom and maybe my grandma. I watched a lot of Mr. Rogers when I was at my grandma's house. And I think that they, yeah, I think that they were like, oh, this is a good show, right? And then they were like, Mm -hmm. we must, we have to make our child watch this. And I was like, "Eh, I could probably take it or leave it. But when I was watching the documentary, um, I was getting, I did get choked up um, because there, yeah, you, um, it's so it's so immediately recognizable as being like both like genuine, true and good at the same time. You're just like, Oh, of course this is X. Like, of course he's an amazing person and should be doing these things. And of course it's good for like children to be watching it. You know, there's like no question about it. Um, and just, yeah, I mean, there's something about, there's something about, especially nowadays, like, coming across a person who is who is like not cynical at all right who who has like no sarcasm to them no irony to them and is just like 100% genuine you basically never get that yeah i mean Dude. ever not even just nowadays but like you never get that right pepe i've got the cute, the pure uncut rogers here <laughs> yeah right it's very potent <laughs> and it's anti cynicism yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you like you you watch like two minutes of this guy's show, and you're like, oh, okay, this is this is excellent and good, and it can't be anything other than that. Like, it just is what it is. You you can see the genuineness and the yeah. And what you a can, performer! You can just see that. Yeah, he yeah. brings the music and the voices and all. He brings it all together. That's a that's that's rare. And he he probably could have gone on those other types of shows had he wanted to exploit that, but he never. I think he also forbade them to sell, at least while he was alive, any merchandising. He didn't want to be selling to kids. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. 
I um, but I have a Daniel Tiger doll now for my son, so that that era. Oh, is yeah. Over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the moment I, I think one of the moments that choked me up most, two two come to mind immediately. Uh, the scene with the boy in the wheelchair when they're singing and they're like ad libbing that song together. It's like it's like a remix of one of of Mr. Rogers' songs that he sings, but like the the boy's like adding words and Mr. Rogers just like totally picking it up, like. Uh, not only oh, yeah. incredible talent on this rush part to just like be totally jazzing with him, but also just like a, a really sweet moment. Real moment. Um, the kid's name is Jeff Erlinger, the boy in the wheelchair. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, then also when he was with Coco, which I know like later on, it's like been kind of shown that the, the whole Coco experiment has some like flaws to it and wasn't like totally accurate, but still like, I still find Coco to be like a very emotional, like, symbol as this like you know animal that that can communicate and the idea of of animals communicating has always been very effective to me um i remember i had an anthropology Mm -hmm. teacher that talked about a monkey that he had uh like trained sign language with and then later and i i have no way of knowing if the story is true or not but he told this story about how many 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 years after he had stopped um communicating with this this chimpanzee he was in a animal testing facility like touring it for some reason and saw that same chimpanzee who like was signing to him and like trying to like communicate with him um and it was it's a very nice. effective story i have no idea if it's true but uh he had a lot of like pretty wild stories but um you know just since this interesting thought under my head have you guys heard of like how like they've done tests with like crows and they will remember a person multi-generationally oh, yeah. absolutely like yeah, if they... there's like this guy that did a mean thing to the crow and like that crow's grandchildren knew to stay the hell away from that guy. Yeah. The uh, crows are supposed to be like the equivalent of like an eight year old child. And he's a scientist. They're like, yeah. Yeah. yeah they're it's like crazy. wildly intelligent. Yeah. Um, but uh, my, my, my thing I was getting to is, was seeing that scene of him communicating with Coco and like seeing those two figures who in my mind, both represent like kindness and like happiness and they're both gone. Like that was very like hit me really hard seeing both of them together. And, and uh, I had not seen that clip of, of him with Coco before, so it, was, it, it hit me as very emotional. I actually got the clip right here. Okay, no, that's wow. not crow. <laughs> Moving. Also, also, I have a crow. <laughs> All right. So I got so that out of my system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're listening. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell, right? Yeah, no, with the, with the way that um, Mr. Rogers handled um, that whole segment was kind of magic, but it was also the way he showed compassion. Um, and like, you know, he didn't express pity, but he just kind of like met him with understanding and compassion and had a real connection with him person to person as he was good at doing with people. And um, yeah, it's just kind of like this emotional maturity that I don't. Like I, I guess because of how we live today and our society is much more, you know, cynical in, in, in our approach to life that when you see something like this, the uncut Rogers, you, you almost want to like question it, its validity or something. But um, yeah, it just has stood up to that. So I think it's just I think that's why people still find it uh, just powerful today. But um, those are that's a good moment. Any other standout moments? Positive, negative, any anything uh, else that I brought up that is sparking some kind of thing you want to jump in and say right about 
Well, for me, um, the part that kind of got me uh, choking up was um, when they're interviewing, I forget his name, uh, but it was Officer Clemens. Um, he was the police, yeah, police officer. Um, and he talks, he talks about how all those years he didn't realize that, that Fred Rogers was saying like, I love you to him and that he finally had that realization. And then he started like breaking down on the camera, like crying and saying that essentially that it was like, he was a father figure to him. Um, so that to me, that was the part where I probably started crying. And I think like, that was a good one. Yeah, like the whole ending, I was I was bawling. So, uh, Francois S. Clemens is who the guy who played Officer Clemens, and yeah, it was really the, the he was very genuine in his um, interview as well. At that point, he was like, "Fred, are you, were you talking to me?" Because like he must have like given some kind of indication, like he was looking at him off camera or something like that, right? But yeah, that was that was super touching. Um, I wouldn't mind uh, reading his memoir. Actually, It'd be kind of interesting to know the antics. Wasn't wasn't he one of the few people that? Um, because didn't he talk? Was didn't he say that like Fred Rogers asked him like, "Were you at this bar or something one day?" And he was like, "You can't go there anymore." Wasn't ah, there him? we go. Yeah, that yeah, was. yeah. Do you guys, I don't remember very well. Do you guys remember that conversation better than I do? Yeah. So basically he was, sorry, Ben, he was basically, no, no, please. yeah, he was basically talking about, um, how he couldn't be like openly gay, um, on in public, um, because essentially they could, they wouldn't allow like a gay man and probably also like a gay black man to be in the show and a kid's show. Um, and so speaking he of was, sponsors, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and so basically, uh, he, Fred Rogers was saying like, you can't go, you can't be out, outly gay in public because it's going to, it's going to affect our show. I don't think he was necessarily, well, it seemed like he had maybe some religious beliefs that maybe interfered with his beliefs of, um, his acceptance of, 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 of gay people but it seems pretty clear that he came around to it later on. His wife, his wife did mention that they had many gay friends at the time that he that didn't seem to have an issue with it. Um, but it was just about the, it was more like a big picture, like for the show's sake, you can't be out in public. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, part of me is like, it was a different time and it was, but you know, how does that sit with you guys? Cause it didn't, it wasn't like, I wasn't happy about that, you know, like at the same time. I mean, like, I, I think it just kind of, it does speak on the times. And I think I understand this, basically the decision of, well, we have a gay man or we have a black man in our, in our show where there was tension happening, you know, especially the whole, like, um, the washing their feet together while, uh, people were getting upset about black people being in the same swimming pools as them. Um, so I just think that he realized that 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 having a black man in the show was more important than um, not having him in the show as a as a reaction to him no, being that's, gay. So, I, yeah, I think Francois said something similar to that effect that he also felt at the time that that was more important. So clearly, a choice was made. Did that 
did, did that does that wash for the rest of you guys? It seemed like some of you had something to say just visually, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I am typically someone who is uh like fairly hard line with that sort of stuff. Where like if I feel that someone uh, honestly had if I feel that he honestly had hateful feelings towards him for, for that reason, for him being gay, I, I would certainly, uh, like, uh, recognize that and point that out. I don't I don't think, based on everything we know about Mr. Rogers after watching this, I do not think he actually had any ill feelings towards him because of that. Um, I think that it was yeah, purely a, a sort of directorial decision. It was him, him putting on his director's hat and saying, this isn't going to work uh, mm-hmm. because people will boycott the show and, and you know, it will send the wrong message and our sponsors will pull out. Yeah. I, I let, I don't want to like just speak out of pure conjecture, but maybe just knowing enough about him, if he was doing his show today, I think that it would be absolutely not even a question that he would, it would be fine. Is kind of how my takeaway from it personally. I would say, though, even in today's terms, like there's a lot of people there is the people who have issues with gay people utilize the argument that there's grooming going on and in regards to protecting the kids. So I I don't know. I mean, obviously, somebody think think of the children. Yeah. So like there's this like I would hope that this wouldn't be an issue because we have so much more representation at this point. But at the same time, there is also so much backlash. So I don't know. So it's just an interesting. Yep. We can't know, unfortunately. But yeah, I'd like to think he would take take that stand just from understanding him. But we don't know. Um, So, yeah, just kind of just kind of imagining, I guess. Um, So. How about um, puppets? Let's talk puppets. Did you, do you guys, <laughs> what, what do you guys think of uh, the role of puppet, puppets and like the kind of make-believe part of the show? Um, I don't know what you remember from your childhood, um, but that was a big deal for me. You know, it's like, uh, well, why do you want to go to like grandpa's house and hang out, you know? Well, he does this neat thing where the you follow the trolley in and then you're in this kind of like land of make believe where it's like, you know, puppets and songs and all that stuff. And he he really did start that like Sesame Street, you know, wouldn't have existed had Mr. Rogers neighborhood not existed. You know, in fact, he was one of the people that helped get that up and running, I think, at PBS, if I'm not mistaken. Write to me if I'm wrong. and Let me know. But I'm pretty sure that's how that went down. Um, the he did some voices. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, maybe some of it's nostalgia for me, but I like still seeing the characters when he does the characters and he really commits, <laughs> you know, kids seem to like it. What did you yeah. guys think? Yeah, they, I mean, the puppets are a little hard to look at. I will say they're a little, they're a little <laughs> terrifying, mm-hmm. especially the witch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really haunting looking. Did you like um, how they set that up where it cut to the lady that it was probably based off of? It looked a lot like her. Yeah, yeah, it, was <laughs> it could have been Auntie, whatever her name is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I think overall they're, they're very cute characters. I like the uh, the the like dialect that the cat speaks in. Uh, or, like, meow, the, meow. Kind of, it's yeah. kind of Smurf. It's almost Smurf language. Like sort of adds some meows to replace certain words. And uh, yeah, um, they're they're pretty cute. I, I like them. Uh, 
King Friday is a little odd. It's like he's sort of an antagonist, but like also not really, you know, a little inconsistent as a character. But uh, you know, overall, pretty good. Yeah, he's almost like a multi-use tool. Like you plug him in where you need him to be, like something that you don't understand why adults do shit, and then like you know he plays that antagonistic role. But go ahead, Kat. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I thought the relationship between. Fred Rogers and the puppets was really interesting that there was this, you know, they were saying how Daniel was a representation of him and kind of the anxieties that he had as a, as a child and that other children mm-hmm. could relate to. And then the King, you know, became more, he became more like him essentially towards the end and um, kind of voiced the, the, the maybe upsetness that adults felt um, and mm-hmm. how, when he was being interviewed, he was saying how it's much easier to voice something like, hey, I need a hug right now through the puppet versus him actually saying that out loud as an adult. So, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true if I want to admit it, you know. Um, I probably, if I had it, <laughs> yeah. maybe I should get a Daniel Tiger puppet when I need a hug. <laughs> I'll get a t-shirt. <laughs> Just to remind myself, backwards the, in the mirror. The most interesting, the most interesting thing about that, I thought was that he, man, he 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 thought about like everything, right? So like they ta- he talked about how imaginary things happen in a in the imaginary world, right? But like only real things happen in the real world, right? I thought that was really, that was like a brilliant thing too and right and like one of the one of the things that like made mr rogers neighborhood like so like um i don't even know what you call it just like ballsy or something like so yeah like brave was just that like uh we're gonna talk about fucking vietnam now and like we're gonna talk about what happens when you're when things die and we're gonna talk about what assassination like, means. Yeah, we're gonna talk about what assassination means. Like the stones on him to be like, we're gonna talk about this to children. Yep. You know? That man shot the other man. Yeah. 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 He took it on. I think that shit's wild. I remember his week on divorce. Because a lot of people were getting oh, yeah, divorced, divorced in the too. 80s. That was like the divorce craze was in, man. Like everyone was like, I remember like throughout the 80s, I remember like everyone's mommy and daddy was together. And by the end of the 80s, like nobody's <laughs> mommy and daddy was together anymore. So it was like that. It was like yeah. that. Oh, did you hear the, you know, the McLeans broke up or whatever, you know? Yeah, she's moving out to L.A. to work for Nakatomi. And uh, he's going to stay in New York. And like, Yeah, that <laughs> stuff was real. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, there, there's, there's like, it's one thing to like, uh, to like, shoot for the stars right but then mm-hmm, there's like mm-hmm. another thing to like totally fucking nail it which he seems to have ah, done every time yeah right? yeah yeah because like just think of like what a train wreck any of those sh- shows could have turned into right like they could have just been terrible they could have been awful right and you're showing it to like very very young kids um but he yeah he seemed was, to like, work though. so good at it yeah yeah. If if there's any sort of uh, philosophical tie between this film and, and Jiro Jiro Sushi, or any tie at all, I guess, mm-hmm. it would be that idea of perfection, which was like my 
sort of focal point in when talking about Jirujin's sushi, this idea of like, maybe what we are witnessing is perfect sushi. I think it's like Mr. Rogers also is like, maybe we're witnessing perfect children's programming. Like it seems completely flawless. Uh, and also again, what lends it like credibility, just like with Jiro, where it's like all these unique circumstances that Jiro is in to create this perfection. Mr. Rogers is this singular individual who's doing almost all the work on the show, except for the tech stuff. Uh, he is writing and producing and, you know, composing everything. It's like, if if perfection could exist, it could only exist if this like one auteur basically was just running everything. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's wild. Rogers likes rice and chicken. For sure. He was good at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On the days that he couldn't uh, catch Daniel Tiger Puppet, he was not serving the neighborhood <laughs> of make believe. <laughs> I do have a speaking of puppets, I do have a weird like technical question for you, Ben. And I don't know if you'll know the answer. Uh, but it seemed to me in one of the shots that it makes sense working with puppets that Mr. Rogers had a monitor so he could see what the human actors were doing on the other side of the screen that he was behind. And, but they were like shooting on film and I don't understand like the technology of how you could have a monitor when you're shooting on film. How does that work? It's more like a, okay. If my understanding is correct, because, yeah, that is a little weird. The the signal from... It would have to be a camera that also didn't just record to film, but the signal could go out like a, like a TV camera, like a camera out through the cable and into a TV type of monitor. So you'd be seeing the signal that the TV system would get, and then there would be a place for the film to be exposed to get it on, on tape, like on an analog form. Okay. So it was a little I bit guess, of a yeah, mixed thing. I don't think that before television that studios could monitor really what was going on in that camera. I don't think that was a thing yeah. before before for TV. That developed from TV, I think. So write to me if I'm wrong, but I'm yeah. pretty sure that that's how that that oh. works. Yeah. Wrong to him if he's right. Also. Yeah, I was I was <laughs> I was gonna answer in puppet, but then I realized that. <laughs> I would have to actually get up and go uh, get one of my kids' dolls to <laughs> do that bit. So maybe not. So was the reason you asked about the voices because, like, because it's like the show started like so homespun. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, that is why I asked. And, all, and like one of his puppets' voice was like, "Oh, this is the voice," and then the other puppets like, "Oh, this is." It's just like the same voice. <laughs> That's basically. why I said it. I don't know if it's nostalgia because I still the characters still work for me, but. They are very homespun. And so maybe because like if I just heard them now as an adult me and never heard them as four-year-old me or whatever, that if I would really find them that appealing or not, I guess was really what I was getting at. And that's kind of what you were hinting at too, yeah? Well, I was just, I was thinking that like, like when you, like, it, there, you, what am I trying to say here? Like it started out with him just doing all the voices. Mm-hmm. And then if they changed it, it would be weird, right? Yeah, so it's got to just be him. That. You can't change. You can't change it midstream, right? Yeah. So yeah, it just like it's just it's funny that it's like it started out as this like totally homespun, like low budget passion project of this one guy, and he's like, "I'm gonna fucking get up there. And I'm gonna put this puppet on my hand. And I'm gonna talk like this." And then it was just that for the rest 
for years. Yep. It's, it's so funny that that's decades just what it was. Well, yeah, yeah. He was, I mean, he was concerned about continuity in a time when like people who were making stuff for children would not have cared about continuity and probably for decades later. I mean, until like the 90s, you probably wouldn't see any sort of children's cartoon with with any sort of care in the world about like keeping things consistent from episode to episode in that way. Like even I'm sure early Sesame Street and stuff, there was, you know, like suddenly Elmo would sound different one week because it's like, oh, we couldn't get the guys. We just Elmo did sound different through the voice. Elmo used to be a puppet that they would just plug in every so often. They use like different voices for it, whatever. And then I guess that one guy who was there picked it up and the rest is history on that. Yeah, Mr. Rogers was concerned about like, no, that would confuse a kid if this this puppet's voice just changed. Yeah. They're not just going to not notice. They're not idiots. They're just children. So like, yeah, I almost feel like listen. I have so much to say that it all wants to get out at once and I can't really get to it. So about the puppets, um, yeah, he seemed to, I'll, I'll try to get all this out. He seemed to um, understand kids. His kid said he remembered being a kid and I, I can get that. Um, what I kind of took away from Mr. Rogers is to not treat children like some other species or like that they're not smart, but that they're just little people with less experience. You know, there's differences, you know, brains develop and and motor skills and all that. But I mean, it helps to like, you know, treat kids like people. (laughs) It seems like such a a simple thing, but you know, into some, but really it was like, you know, if you look back, it's like, you know, children should be seen and not heard and like dismissed and, you know, very readily dismissed and used almost as like, you know, grist for the mill and work in the farm and stuff. And you knew half of them were going to make it. And so like, it was just, you know, having kids have even rights or been given that kind of attention was just absolutely revolutionary for the time. And so I still find that effective when trying to communicate to kids and my son and, you know, whenever that comes up, it's just, you know, just remember just, you know, get down on their level and look them in the eye and treat them like a person who has less experience, you know, and that it is a responsibility to sort of try to see them through uh, as best as you can. Um, I, I don't know how I, I, when I see someone like, like Mr. Rogers, I just, I don't, I guess that's what makes him an anomaly. I, I don't know what makes this guy tick. Like how could he be so solid with, and so consistent? Like, no, I get angry. I fail at being a, a grown up, you know. Every so often I'm a man child when it comes down to my emotions. Like, how is he so good at it? And then I think, and then I in the documentary, we have stuff people want to say, I can tell. And uh, in the documentary, I I just remember like him, they talked about his childhood, which I wasn't really aware of, you know. And he was, you know, a little overweight, but he was also sickly and he had to he said he had to make up his own game. So a lot of like what he expressed in his adulthood was probably left over from that. And so that was a very formative time in his life, clearly that ended up working for him when he's an adult. Um, So that was kind of a fascinating segment to me when they focused on his childhood. And then they didn't make it clear that he did puppets, but he said he would put his knees up and pretend they were mountains. And so there's probably like puppetry happening there. What do you guys think? Was he doing the Roger yeah, show well, when he was sick in bed at 10 years old? Yeah, I mean, that was an interesting point that actually, so there's, well, there's two things I want to reply to mm-hmm. what you said. Um, so in regards, yeah, in regards to this, it reminded me actually of Bo Burnham's Inside and oh, how good point. he produced, 
how he produced all of this while he was while we were in quarantine. And this is what he, and that was the actual word he he had used is that I had scarlet fever, I had all these diseases, I was quarantined. And so he said that that really made him um, have to use his imagination to basically make time go by, mm-hmm. um, by, by, yeah, doing what he does. Um, I don't know if he was doing the full show back as a kid, um, but uh, I think there's something to be said about kind of when you're restricted in so many ways that you, it almost creates more creativity because you have to be um which i think kind of speaks to like the human spirit um honestly but the other Mm -hmm. thing that um that you mentioned earlier about um was in regards to how he ticks which is something his sons kind of brought up brought up as well like Mm -hmm. they didn't really understand you know especially having him as a father figure that he was like christ-like um, they didn't really understand how he, you know, kept it kind of, you know, cool at, at all at all times. Um, and I remember specifically watching that Tom Hanks movie that it really emphasized, and they mentioned this in the documentary as well, but they really emphasized at the end of the of the Tom Hanks movie um, that he utilized music as a way to express that anger. So it wasn't that he didn't get angry, but that the way that he found a healthy outlet to express that anger um that wasn't yeah uh, destructive to anyone else or to anything or himself yeah that's an excellent point i find that music is a way that i get kind of let off the it let out some steam sometimes too with like karaoke and you know if i play music i've been doing a lot more karaoke so i'm using that as an example but uh i do think I, i wondered watching this um, especially talking about how he communicated and uh, um, like how his children spoke about him. There's there's sort of a, uh, I would call it a trend online right now of um, like speaking more openly about autism and recognizing the autism spectrum as for as broad as it is. And people, mm-hmm. it, I think it has led to a lot of self-diagnosis, which I think is always dangerous in any form of like mental health mm-hmm. situation. Like you should always talk to a doctor about you know, if you feel like you have um, um, any kind of mental illness, but like, uh, it does make me wonder because it's been more open and, and like you, we see a lot more communication about what autism looks like and, and how broad it is. Um, I did wonder like the the idea of communicating through music, the mm-hmm. idea of having mm-hmm. these sort of like characters that he plays in order to communicate certain feelings. He even said like, whenever his father would talk about something serious at the table, if he did get like kind of angry, he would use the voice of like the witch character from the show to like communicate that anger. And uh, a lot of that feels like, you know, something that could be uh, related to the autism spectrum and that could be. he might have been. And, and in that era, he certainly wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been diagnosed. And uh, mm-hmm. obviously, he was extremely high functioning and was not impairing him in any way. So, yeah, I do. I do wonder if that was uh, related in some way, if he was in, in some that's way. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a fair thought. I find as we're ta- sitting here talking, I, what I'm kind of grasping at and what maybe we're all grasping at is it all does come down to like, how does someone like Fred Rogers develop? Like, because he's just such a, a a rare thing in our society. Um, and so, yeah, it could be these things. Like, and you know, clearly, I don't know if it's you can argue whether it's nature versus nurture. Like, if he was just prone to being good at puppets, or like that time that he spent, you know, sick and you know, making his own fun or whatever he, however he phrased it, um, that that 
kind of developed those skills early too. And then, yeah, he did take the music and man, that is such a, a valid outlet. And just in a way, it's almost like, was this Plinko? Did he just hit the right pegs on the way down? And we just got the rare like $10,000 drop, you know, and he just kind of went down the right path or, you know, was it something that he just was destined, predestined to become Mr. Rogers? I tend to think it was more like a, just kind of a mix between, you know, he was t prone to these types of, this type of personality and that these things happened in his life that like ended up forming him into this person who would pursue that and kind of knock it out of the park. But you guys agree, disagree? Any other thoughts? I, I would like to I would like to understand how I guess that the documentary didn't really wasn't able to do that either. I guess you can't. How do you determine, you know, how why someone is who they are? I don't know. Pepe, can you help us? What have you got? You're studying philosophy. <laughs> That's what they tell me. Um Yeah. Well, I mean, so, you know, uh, I think like I mean, it sounded like Fred Rogers um didn't necessarily grow up with like a lot of like adversity in the sense of like he had like it seemed like his parents were married his, yes. for his most of his life he was he had a you know they weren't they weren't like worried about how they were going to put food on the table or anything like that you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and so you know there's there's this idea so you ask okay so here's a little bit of philosophy for you right so Aristotle says that um, to become a good person, you actually have to have some, there's some luck involved in this, right? So for example, if you want to be magnanimous, which mm -hmm. today we might call charitable or something, you have to have money. Because if you don't have any money, how are you going to be magnanimous? Um, if you don't have you know, time to pursue you know whatever it is if you have to like if you have to like till your fields all day or whatever go pick your olives or what you know whatever the greeks are doing then you're not <laughs> you're just not going to have the time to like cultivate virtue right and so to aristotle's mind you have to have like a certain amount of like you have to have a certain lifestyle where he was like like okay here's a very simple way of do, of, of of showing this right Aristotle says that if you get captured by pirates and thrown into their brig, you're not going to be a good person because you just don't have the opportunity to do it. You're tied mm -hmm. up in the hold of a ship. How are you going to do good things? You're not going to be a good person. You don't, you're not, you're not able to like practice it. Um, are we talking about philanthropy? Like how, like being self-actualized at all? Cause this is the terms that are no, springing no, into I my mean, head. Like, like, so for example, like if you're, um, like say you have a um I don't know say you're say you're say you're missing a, a leg or something right okay well if you're missing a leg you're not going to be able to be a soldier and aristotle thinks that like well really one becomes courageous by like putting one's life on the on the line in battle right so if there's something that's like keeping you from being like what what he would consider like a courageous person then you're just not going to be you're not going to be courageous and you're going to be missing out on some part of like the virtuous life. Right. Hmm. And so if you're like, and so, like I said, if you're just like, if you're just like a prisoner, then there's no way you're going to be doing any of those things 
that make a virtuous person virtuous. You're just going to be tied up in a prison all the time, right? And so he thought that, like, in a certain sense, one needed a certain type of life to, like, be able to become a virtuous person because you just needed the opportunities to do those things, right? Um, and so you can see how, like, it seems like Fred Rogers had a life that allowed him to, like, do some of these things. Now, that's probably not the only reason that he became a person like this, right? But you could see how a life like his would be conducive to becoming the kind of a person that he he was, right? Yep. I mean, he, he, he was like one of these people that's like, well, I have this money and I'm going to fund this show for kids. And instead of like, I don't know, fucking buying a strip mall or something or whatever people do with their money, you know, like he wasn't going to do that with his money. He was going to do like magnanimous things. Like yeah. Philanthropic things. Right. So, I mean, yeah. So Plinko wins. No, but he, just, he, he, he had an opportunity that not everyone has to do what he did, but he also took that opportunity he also to took do the that opportunity. Thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, in, it's just fascinating yeah, to think can, about. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, you can be given the opportunity to like be a soldier, right? But mm -hmm. you can be a cowardly soldier, right? right. You can, you can yeah. be in the upper, you can, you, you can, can be go in by the, the strip mall. in the circumstance. Yeah. yeah, right. You can go by the strip mall, right? You cannot be a, a courageous soldier, right? He was, the, he like took up that gauntlet. He was just like, I'm going to be the courageous soldier, you know? It's a little bit of everything mixed in and somehow out popped this kind of anomaly in that I guess if you're running it from statistical from a statistical sense that anomalies happen sometimes. And it and it's proven to be rare. You know, you don't get an Einstein every every generation. You don't. Or a, a Hawking or what have you. Or a Rogers, maybe. Um, so yeah. yeah. Um, maybe it maybe we'll see somebody else kind of like that in our lives and maybe not. Um, so it is, it is fascinating though that they explored all that and they did try to kind of reach for that and imply a few things like how did this person, this uh, unique person come to be? So I do find that fascinating. Let's talk about the music a little bit more. Um, I, that always stood out to me. The intro song is, is catchy. He always, he was a good, uh, I think he was like mostly like jazz, but I always liked, how many musical guests he had on the show. I like that they wrote the songs. My son, he doesn't watch the entire show, but he's watched musical clips of Mr. Rogers and really enjoyed those. Um, the, let's talk about the remix too. Does anyone remember the remix that, that PBS put out? It came out probably like no. 10, 12 years ago. Yeah, um, definitely I'll post the link later. All Maybe right. I'll run it after the break or something. Uh, yeah, someone did a like cool remix of Mr. Rogers that was that garnered YouTube attention years back. Um, so yeah, the the music, uh, something that always like stood out to me. He was very talented in that regard. Wrote all the stuff. It's enjoyable. Do you guys remember it? Is there anything pop out that you particularly like or uh, remember about that from either the documentary or from watching a show? Well, I mean, the, the like, Won't You Be My Neighbor song is, like, iconic, right? Yeah. Everybody knows that song, you know? Yeah, if we're it going was, It was amazing. Uh-huh. It was amazing to me that he, um, 
wrote all that, like wrote and composed all those, all the music and the songs. Like, I can't, I can't imagine that. <laughs> can't imagine doing that. Having all that on the production plate kind of thing and doing all that. Yeah. Well, just be like, if you task me with like, okay, write a, write a kid's song about like being angry. It's like, uh, what are you like? What am I going to do? You know? Yeah. Like you and were saying, and then he nailed it. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he just nails it. Every you come time. out with rage against the machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he seems to hit the mark like every time it's uncanny, yep. right? Yeah. And the messaging is always clear. I, you know, it's you I like. You know, that's an important message to cut through all the crap, you know, and be genuine. But take it, Devin. Yeah, I, I had forgotten just how like musical the show was, honestly. Like in my in my memory, I remembered the the Won't You Be My Neighbor song. And that's about all I really remember. And that like the the honestly in my memory, the show was that song, him taking off his shoes and the trailer. Everyone remembers the so shoes. It's like yeah. that was like those those images were like very powerful in my mind. But otherwise it was like if you told me to describe a, a whole episode beginning to finish, I could never uh, tell you like what else happened and it was um, live the music was live yeah. the, his yeah. his guys were off stage playing that intro theme live every time and he would sing it live and oh, wow and they and if they played him off to the little model where it pans around the neighborhood that the musicians were playing it live they're jazz musicians so they're they're good and comfortable doing that um so it kind of made for this kind of like live music energy in the show so in case you've forgotten if you ever see clips of that yeah they're just they they i know there was more than one episode but i remember seeing them being like well let's talk about how this is a show and it's a set and it's not real and you know here's how the house looks and let's go talk to the band and and all that and here's how the how we make a show it's actually reminding me of the documentary when he was explaining that to a kid how you know tv works and stuff and you know because the kid's like how'd you get out was the kid's question so he like you know went into good amount of detail explaining it and the, and the kids smiling and nodding and at the end he's like well how are you gonna get back in <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, right. that's such a kid for you yeah, so yeah i get it <laughs> perfect um you, yeah I'm, I'm interested to hear i'm interested to hear what you thought uh-huh. so like the the because this documentary was so um so positive there's mm-hmm, sort of like mm-hmm. two things about it to me that stuck out the most was what we talked about before with um, Francois and Mr. Rogers, but it sounded Uh like there wasn't really any static there. But then the, the documentary also very briefly touched on the sort of like backlash against the show of like, Oh, we've created all these Mm -hmm. snowflakes because Mr. Rogers tells us we're all special. That made Mm -hmm. me Um, like irrationally angry. I was like, how the fuck could anybody protest this show? Like I was, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I had like a very visceral reaction. Like, what the fuck? How, how the hell are people protesting of all the things in the world to spend your energy protesting? That that baffled me. Yeah, I think I yeah. kind of went with the response in the show, and I'm going to probably butcher this, but um, he wasn't telling everyone that they were like a superhero or a sports star. He was just giving an individual sense of attention and care to each person and, and that he, they referenced actually a religious side of things, which, you know, cause he was religious uh, that, you know, we're all God's children and, and, and it says we are all stamped with the face of God in, and according to his beliefs. 
right? And so in that sense, we are all special. And that's kind of what he was speaking to rather than, you know, you were all, it's not, I feel like it doesn't apply to like, everyone gets a trophy, you're all winners. It really wasn't like yeah, right, to right. that, but I think it kind of got mixed up into that backlash. I was I was sort of pleased to um, to hear him talk because like at one of the last, I guess one of the last commencement speeches he gave, mm-hmm. he, he was like, oh, people have been saying I shouldn't be telling everybody that they're special. And he's like, and then he said like, well, what I mean is that like, you don't have to do something like spectacular to be a lovable person. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. And that makes that makes like perfect sense, right? That's totally legit and like correct, right? Um yeah, and so yeah, I, I I wish they had I wish they had spent a little bit more time on it, but like how they dealt yeah. with it, even though they dealt with it pretty quickly, I thought was like pretty, pretty good. This came out in twenty eighteen, so I feel like they don't have much of an excuse in that regard. Like maybe they should have focused a little more on that. Go ahead, Devin. Yeah, I, I, his basic philosophy is just, you know, that humans, like, humans have inherent value. It's like, the, it's like, right. it's yeah. like a very, it's an extremely liberal belief now, which is ironic because he identified Republican, probably just because he had money and his family probably, you know, it's probably that kind of thing. Most, most people with money identify Republican. Well, but, I would um, say this. It's Christ, if, well, yeah, that too. Right. I wish more Republicans were like Mr. Rogers. Okay. Yeah, if 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 he yeah. was representative of the Republican Party, especially today, then I'd probably be pretty happy with them. <laughs> That's yeah. a party. I don't want to get too political, yeah. but um, you know, most people would say it's a little chaotic it, to be kind in the Republican Party these days. Yeah. And certainly not <laughs> the values don't certainly certainly don't align with what we've purportedly Fred's values. Yeah, but like particularly with like homelessness and that whole like, uh, you know, that whole, I guess, debate over homelessness that that basically that human beings, you know, a, a very liberal person uh, like myself would say that like, yeah, they deserve to have homes because they're humans. That's it. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're drug addicts. Doesn't matter if they're criminals. Doesn't matter. They're human beings. They deserve to have a roof over their head, like food. If you, if you want to argue it to a Republican, the numbers make sense, too. It's yeah, just cheaper. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Literally yeah. cheaper than to let someone out there. I was just listening I was just listening to an audiobook that I mentioned last week that I finished uh what the dog saw and he uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks specifically about the homelessness problem for a couple of chapters and um it's cheaper and it's easier and it's easier on our systems like our catch-all systems like like the people that have to pick up people in an ambulance and take them into the hospital and they run up you know, a half a million dollar hospital bill because they're drunk and they're on the street and, you know, it just, it literally would be cheaper. So the, there's a lot of arguments to be made there. Uh, I don't know. I, I hope we're finally starting to address it. It seems like things are starting to happen in that arena, but I haven't paid too close of attention. But did you have anything else you wanted to add about that? Yeah, just, just in, in summation, it's just wild that, that it is a divisive, like political uh, uh, idea to believe that like human life is valuable in, in you know irrespective of any other factor that like that that has become politicized is, is insane to me well i mean that's been a that's not that's new been a radical idea for yeah for a very long time <laughs> yeah it's almost the idea you know right yeah Ken, i wanted to add, i didn't mean to put you on the spot but did you do you have a 
Is there a feminist feminist angle on this on this movie that you want to talk about? Yeah, um, I'm interested to hear. I've been waiting to talk about it, but you know, I just want to find the right time. So thank you. Get it. Um. So right after watching the movie, I was like, I was like, you know, I look and I love. I think Mr. Rogers is a is a brilliant person and and Bob Ross and I would and I was thinking about like who what show would would be the closest to to this and I was thinking about Ted Lasso which is is this really positive mm-hmm. TV show that has a uh, white male figure as a forefront of of giving this positive message but then I was like God it would be really great if we could have this kind of positive positivity or these role models not just within the scope of a white male that it would be cool to have more representation uh, on that front and have these pos- positive role mo- models that are as well known as these figures have been um, and when we were having the discussion earlier about um, you know you don't get these kind of geniuses every decade and there was the listing of Stephen Hawking and um and uh, I can't remember who else you mentioned. Einstein, but, yeah. Uh, Einstein. These are still all white males. And and there's and it's not to say that they're not geniuses. It's not to say or to discredit anything that they have done, but also to to acknowledge and say, and also, you know, that those possibilities or the, the, their ability to be as well-known as they were or have been is because of the fact that they fit a specific group of people. And... And then I was thinking, okay, I, it'd be cool to have more representation. But then I thought about the fact that we need more positive male role models right now, like more than I think ever for, <laughs> yeah. for, for young men. And um, we have, unfortunately, and I, I won't even say his name, but there is someone who is incredibly misogynistic, who's a podcaster that is getting a lot of young male, young men to have these really misogynistic perspectives on on women and everything. Um, and so I'm just thinking, you know, if anything, we do we we are in desperate need of a, of a positive uh, male role model right now um, to spread that kind of message of uh, that that being a man and being compassionate does not contradict one, one another, that that's not uh, that is that is OK to be those are both uh i mean we're, like what devin was saying about hyper masculinity and all that stuff that um that's something they're compatible they're compatible and that's something that um in regards to fred rogers sexuality being questioned later on i think a huge part of that had to do with the fact that he was someone who articulated his emotions and encouraged kids to do the same and that was a contradiction to his to what people viewed as being a masculine man that that those kind of attributes are attributed to only gay men and and yeah we i think we need more positive role models male role models that say that being a compassionate human being is not uh it's not the opposite of being masculine it's just a decent human being thing to do um so yeah yeah that's too bad that we associate those characteristics uh, so closely with just gay males and that that's not something that is okay. And it's still something we, it's probably worse than ever, like you were saying. Um, well, maybe not. I don't know. During the, 
sort of John Wayne, Jangoist era of tough men in movies and stuff. You know, this may not have even been a subject of conversation, but it's certainly something that we should still strive to dismantle, I think, and make it safer for guys to have feelings. So we're not out there, you know, shooting up the place or whatever, you know, there's things happening like that where it's (laughs) like, you know, let's try to avoid that. Mental health is a serious problem. Let's redefine how it is to interact with as a, as a male person in the world, you know, not, not just be like a ticking time bomb ready to go off. Yeah. I think, I think what we're seeing a lot with masculinity and with a lot of things in a lot of different political arenas, um, we're seeing a, a sort of, um, gravitational pull, uh, to either side of a spectrum, which is very much in part to like, like at the, at the feet of the internet and the way algorithms work and particularly TikTok, honestly, is, is a big factor in this, um, that these algorithms tend to want to put you in a bucket. They want you to see content mm-hmm. that you want to see. And what that means, especially like people have done independent research with TikTok in particular, that it really aggressively forces you to one side or the other. You are not going to see centrist TikToks. They don't exist. Mm -hmm. You will see Mm -hmm. hardcore liberal or hardcore conservative TikToks. And many other places on the internet have adapted similar algorithms that really funnel you in one way, which just uh, like creates this echo chamber of your own beliefs where you just keep getting more and more extreme and you're pushed that direction. It happens with masculinity. It happens with sexuality. It happens with political beliefs and uh yeah it's really affecting the youth we're, we're seeing i think more men today that embrace their masculinity not in a non-toxic way and mm-hmm. are very open about their sexuality and open about who they are and uh, very caring with each other and we're also seeing the exact opposite and people who are very like aggressively uh uh you know um misogynistic and yes, uh, hyper-masculine right. in, in a very dangerous way. It's like we're, we're seeing more than ever of both sides of the extreme and very few, you know, quote unquote, normal people anymore. Yeah. Can we stop worrying about like the level of masculinity that we portray in a way, you know, it's almost like the, the ego's way of sucking in your gut or something like don't, maybe don't worry about that so much. And, um, you know, it's, you can still be, uh, you can still be gentle and be masculine or whether or not you're masculine is maybe besides the point. But, you know, there are times that call for, you know, being gentle and expressing emotion and connecting with people on a human level. Um, you're going to be who you're going to be either way that if you're masculine, that will that's not going to disappear. You know, that's not going to like vanish just because you're, you know, opening up to people that still comes across. I think that's probably something that I, I would hope that uh, would get a little bit more uh, thought, you know, in people um, in their beliefs as beliefs, fuel actions, etc. cetera. Um, so anything else you guys want to add before I get to the playful bit? We'll do a little, we'll do a little fun bit here. So, all right. In a slightly twisted, maybe PG 13 version of our regular game, <laughs> let's play Mary befriend kill with characters from (laughs) the neighborhood of make believe. All right. So, um, definitely, uh, with Mary, it would have to be lady Elaine. Um, I, uh, I didn't have like a crush on her, but I remember her being a positive female influence on the show. And 
yeah, I remember being a kid and thinking she's pretty. So like, you know, that, that probably have to be that for me. And then befriend, I would definitely love, I still think about and would love to have a delivery guy like Mr. McFeely, um, the prompt delivery. And the, I don't know, something <laughs> yeah. about that guy was always, he always had a little bit of energy injected into the segment. And um, if you watch the clip, the remix clip, he he's a big part of that. He delivers uh, Fred uh, a, like a little recorder flute or something. And they, and they use that in their samples to make a, a sick-ass beat also from like 2010, speaking of 2010s. Um, kill, I would have to... I don't know if I would kill anyone. Uh, Daniel Tiger! No. Uh, you monster! <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. I don't know about the kill one. I'll, I'll, I'll give some thought to that. There's got to be someone. Maybe the the scary aunt. She did scare me a little bit as, as a kid. Um, uh, something about that puppet I found a little bit terrifying. So, Cat, have I given you enough time? Have I tap danced enough to give you enough time to play Mary Befriend Kill with the Mr. Rogers neighborhood? Of make believe. The main issue is I don't really know their names very well. Um, but I know, I think I'd for sure befriend that Daniel. Um, I would, I would kill the king. Um, ah, okay, yeah, regicide, <laughs> and and I would marry um, probably the the woman that you were talking about because she was very pretty. So, yeah, yeah, the princess, yeah, right. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably she's a good singer too. Everyone was a good singer, or at least they did a they put their best foot forward. There was lots of good musical numbers over the years. Okay, cool. Well, well played, well played. You didn't stammer nearly as much as I did. So, good job. Uh, so Devin, I see you scratching the beard and giving this some deep thought. Are yeah, you going to reconstitute yeah. the puppets into like a pate that you then make the sushi <laughs> roll out of? Or how are we doing this? Exactly. <laughs> How'd you move into it? Uh, yeah. the, the witch, the witch is Lady Elaine Fairchild, which doesn't that's sound like a Lady Elaine name, but that's Lady Elaine is the, is the witch. Uh, well, then who's the, but, who's the human person? Yeah, good then. question. Uh, uh, yeah, um, okay, I got my names mixed up. Lady Aber Aberlin? Aber Aberlin, yeah. Lady Aberlin. She's not the puppet? No. I know, okay. it sounds exactly the opposite. Uh, but yeah, uh, marry, befriend, kill, I think. I gotta marry uh, Daniel Tiger. Just absolutely okay. the goat, the goat of the show. Uh, and, <laughs> and yeah, he, he'd be great. Oh, he's the tiger. He's a tiger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, he, he's going to be a very attentive. He'd be a very attentive husband, uh, and uh, you know, he's very my needs. Very attentive. Um, I made you some omelets, like you <laughs> like. Uh, and then um, befriend. I think King Friday because I think I can change him. You know, I think I can really get to the core of that right. kind of man. And, you gotta uh, fix him. We can really have some, some deep thoughts. Yeah, that uh, never works. And then definitely kill Lady Elaine Fairchild. Absolutely terrifying nightmare fuel puppet okay so i'm not alone on that yeah yeah no burn her she just had some kind burn of her. yeah something about her just really like kind of frightened me when i was a kid i'm like i wasn't like terrified but i wasn't like oh yeah she's like you know likable or whatever as a puppet yeah honestly Hen henrietta pussycat is probably second on that list just because also a pretty like horrible to look at puppet just really yeah really ratty was she the one that tried to leap out of the thing on the superhero week oh. like whoa yeah, what are I you doing so. 
<laughs> you can't fly in real life. Come on. It's so These things that was apparently need like to be a, said. That was a, yeah, that was enough of like an endemic thing that they had to make a whole episode about. I was kind of surprised about that too. Yeah. Like, was that just, just like kind of eighties word of mouth? Like, was that real? Like, did they look into that? I I guess some I guess they give at least one example where that had happened. Like, yeah, we were not under no illusions as kids that jumping off a thing meant we could really fly. That's for sure. I never yeah, felt like that. Was, when I was like 10 or 11, I remember climbing up on the roof of our house all the time, uh, just hanging out of there, but never jumping off. No, I was never in the mind of just like, yep, I'm Superman, but I, you know, I guess some kid did. All right. Yeah. So, James Pepe, for our break here, who would you marry, befriend, and kill on uh, from the neighborhood? Um, I think I'd probably marry the trolley. Uh, because mm-hmm. why not? Just mm-hmm. gets you around wherever you need to go. Yeah. Always on time. Yeah. Um, a friend, uh, for sure. Um, Officer Clemens. He can get me out, you know, if I get in some trouble, he get me out in a pinch, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um kill pro- Clemens I mean, probably is powerful. The- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's the only officer on the beats of uh imaginary world so you know that's right yeah um and i think i think i'm on board with killing king friday the 13th yeah two for regicide okay yeah, yeah. all right king friday's noted your <laughs> uprising okay so Devin, you wanted to add something here at the end in a little mini segment yeah, it was just a, a tag on to our our uh, uh, Mary friend, befriend, kill. Uh, yeah, let's just do looking it. at a full Wikipedia list of some of the characters. There's some all timers in here for for names uh, of of side characters, <laughs> Mister Rogers. There's Donkey Hody, a Donkey. Oh, first wow. name Donkey, Donkey, last name Hody. I have no memory um, of that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Hilda Dingleborder. Just, just excellent. Uh, excellent Yo-Yo names. LaBelle. Great. Uh, yeah. Old Yo-Yo goat. LaBelle. O- old uh-huh. goat. And who can forget new goat, of course. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <And> both. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got a collection. H.J. Elephant the Third, Classic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Distinguished uh, alumni of the show, of the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Audrey Duck, Mr. Skunk, and... Uh, Catalian, who is a lion, I guess. Catalian. I don't know. There's got to be a pun there that I'm just. Wait, is it Kit Catalian or just Catalian? Or am I hearing that wrong? Catalian. Just Catalian. Catalian. Is that what they're going for? Catalian. I guess guess so, yeah. I wonder if he's also Uh, Italian. Is he an Italian uh, cat? I hope so. If he's not, I'm so disappointed. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Ratches, are we going to have a problem over here? Cornflake corny, especially. That's especially that's middle middle oh. initial S last name. Especially. Ah, Cornflake especially. especially. The the president knows that guy, right? Went to like You'd be honored to know him. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just just some excellent naming conventions. Very meme worthy names. Uh either that or Mr. Whatever it is. <laughs> It's like, yeah. there's an extreme there, too, I'm sensing. I don't know, Mr. Skunk. Don't bother yeah. me today. Today yeah. I'm King Friday. Yeah. Get out of my office. 
Did you get yeah. the king today or did you get Daniel? Just like flipping <laughs> a coin, <laughs> like a Batman villain. No, I think that's it. I, I did see the Big Bird once guest starred, which is that's a great, great crossover episode. Yeah, I feel like there's a famous clip of that that went down for some very special reason, but I cannot remember it. And yeah, I can do the Big Bird voice, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's for Hunter. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> why? What? <laughs> what well, was very serious? I just, the thing that I remember most about Big Bird is: Did you ever see that Far Side cartoon where it's like these oh, gumshoes? They're like standing at a door, and you see Big Bird's like legs coming out of the door, and one of them just goes, "He was shot, Big Bird shot." <laughs> this is the stupidest thing. <laughs> wow, really? Of all the directions you could have gone with that. Huh. No, I don't remember that. Um, but I don't know if I really understand the joke, the joke there either. Am I missing something? You can just cut out that shit I said about Big Bird because I fucked up the joke. <laughs> you want to get take it again? Uh, well, all right. I don't know. Maybe people won't think it's funny now. Yeah, anyway. Give it a go. Oh, if it sucks, okay, I'll cut fine, it. fine, fine. It's a fucking cartoon with Big Bird lying dead on the floor, and there's a cop standing over him and just going, "Take a note of this. It looks like his wounds are from bird shot, big bird shot." <laughs> okay, now that's, that's legitimately that's, funny. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, well, well done. Totally redeemed yourself. And oh man, it's <laughs> such a great, great cartoon. I was like, usually his cartoons are so good. Like, what the hell? Ah, uh, it's so good. Yeah, no, it was my fault. I butchered it. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, seconds the best take. Okay, so we've <laughs> we've wrapped up our main discussion, our open discussion about the uh, episode, and just like Mister Rogers swapping his cardigan out for a jacket at the end of the day, it is time for us to go to work and segue into the thing that keeps the lights on and the bills paid around here. We need to do a commercial break. And now a word from our sponsors. Hello, neighbors. Are you feeling a little worn down? Need a pick-me-up that's as warm and comfortable as a hand-knitted cardigan? Welcome to the world of Cardigan Comfort Coffee. Inspired by the hit documentary, <laughs> Won't You Be My Neighbor? We're serving up a special blend of coffee that's as warm, comforting, and beloved as Mr. Rogers himself. First up, our signature blend, the Neighborly Nectar. It's a medium roast with notes of caramel and a hint of chocolate. A cup of this is like getting a hug from Mr. Rogers himself. Comforting, serene, an experience that will give your day a gentle start. And for those who prefer a bolder start to their day, we have Fred's Full Bodied Blend. A dark roast with a strong, robust flavor that's just as engaging and reassuring as our favorite neighbor. Not a fan of coffee? No problem. Try our make-believe mocha, a rich, hot chocolate-infused with marshmallows <laughs> treat that even King Friday the 13th would approve of. Each blend is carefully crafted to give you a moment of peace in your busy, busy day. Because just like Mr. Rogers, we believe in starting every day with a comforting, positive moment. But remember, folks, Cardigan Comfort Coffee isn't just about enjoying a good cup of joe. It's about embracing the spirit of friendship, compassion, and kindness that Mr. Rogers championed. 
So let's raise our mugs to kindness and understanding. Here's to being the best neighbor we can be one cup at a time. Side effects include a sudden urge to wear comfortable shoes and a cardigan, even in the middle of summer. The ability to listen with empathy and understanding, just like our favorite television neighbor. Spontaneously crooning, <laughs> it's coffee I like. An, inexplic <laughs> an inexplicable desire to share your feelings openly and honestly. A general feeling of peace, love, and acceptance of yourself and others. Cardigan comfort coffee, because sometimes we all need a little neighborly nectar. Won't you be our coffee neighbor? We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. It was a nice can, one. Can, can side effects be side effects if they're good? <laughs> they're side they, they, they just they're call, effects. They just call them effects. They're effects they're on the side. effects at that part, right? Yeah. That's right. Well, no, bad effects. effects. They're just not the main effect. They're the side effects. <laughs> okay. The main effect the main is the sweet, side. sweet caffeine. That I'm yeah, you got that to. main effect. You got a little... Speaking of which. These other effects on the side. Yeah. yeah. Look, can I have a side of effects, please? One side of effects, please. And what effects do you have? Let me make you list them instead of reading the menu. <laughs> Customers. Ah. <laughs> but I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter about being a waiter. <laughs> that's so that's the best I part. Never did that. Yeah. All right. So Just that was, was the enough. commercial. <laughs> and now. Uh, we're going to move on to not roll the dice. We are going to do final grades. We've spent enough time yeah. now in the land of make-believe to confidently present our grades for Won't You Be My Neighbor. Poetry. Yeah, poetry. A plus. A plus indeed. So... I'll kick it off uh, since we don't have our reigning champ here joining us today. I'll uh, keep this simple. I wrote only a 14-page letter this time, and so <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna read one paragraph. So yeah, an A. I'll just say it up. An A for uh, "Won't You Be My Neighbor" is a no-brainer for me on this one, and I'll swap out my low third. Uh, it delivers a powerful exploration of Mr. Rogers' impactful legacy. Stir in the emotions, serving a timely reminder of the value of kindness and understanding of the world. Simply put, a must-watch and a tonic for our times. So it's an A for me, bro. Cat, uh, what did you grade? Won't you be my neighbor? I'm giving it a B. Um, I definitely don't have anything to complain about it. But there's nothing uh, similar to what Pepe said earlier. There was nothing that necessarily like stuck to me about this documentary that made it kind of extraordinary that I feel would be uh, deserving of an A. So I definitely don't have any complaints. I don't think it's a bad documentary in any way, shape or form. It just um, isn't extraordinary. So, um, yeah, I'll give it a B, a B. Okay, fair enough. You were loved by your parents. I get it. You don't have to. You don't have to wave it in my face. And no. uh, yeah, no, B's perfectly understandable for this. All points taken on 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 both Pepe and your side in the discussion. Okay, Devin, what did you grade? Won't you be my neighbor? I I think if I was grading the uh, uh, 
Mr. Rogers neighborhood show, I, I would give it an easy A because as I've said, I think it, it, it approaches something I would, I would describe as perfection. Uh, but I don't think this documentary quite reaches those levels for me. Uh, that being said, I, un unlike the callous Cat Ramirez, which should be her new title instead of <laughs> incredible, the, the callous Cat Ramirez, <laughs> I can't give Mr. Rogers a B. So for me, it's an A minus. Just shy of perfection. An A minus. Okay. So we got an A, a B, and an A minus. James Pepe, it comes down to you. Where are we taking this uh, GPA, up or down? Or steady as she goes. Um, you know, I, like I said, so, okay, I'm giving it a B plus. Uh, like I said, I think it's a perfectly good documentary. I think it's well done. Uh, and, you know, I to be honest, like, I was thinking to myself, like, this documentary, like, it doesn't have any like edge to it, you know, but like, sure. what the like, what edge <laughs> is the Mr. Rogers documentary going to have, you know? So I feel, I feel like, I don't know. It's the, the criticism seems not, seems invalid in some way, but, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, I would have, I would have liked them to have maybe spent a little bit more time on the, like some of the, some of the negative um, reactions to, to his show and things like that. I understand mm -hmm. why they didn't, mm -hmm. but you know, um, so yeah. E plus for me. I think it's great. Yeah. 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 Like an egg sliding off your. Just slide, the, just a fried egg just slides right it? off my brain, though. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. All right. Cool. So, uh, Devin, is your lower third up and running? Oh, yep. Uh, so, we, it looks like we have an A, a B. You're making me use my memory, A minus, and a B plus. How dare you, sir? Okay, cool. So, what is the overall? Looks pretty good. Looks like a pretty solid movie uh, that slides right off your brain after. Nice emotional cathartic <laughs> experience that you can walk away from and be like, why am I crying? Uh, so, Devin, what is the overall GPA for Won't You Be My Neighbor? Yeah, that puts us at a B plus a solid 3.5. Uh, that puts it on the same... Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, <God>. Fuck. Daniel <laughs> I need Daniel Tiger to get me through this. Yeah. Uh, what do I do? Level. What do I do when I feel mad? The same level as <laughs> last week's uh, Zero Dreams of Sushi, uh, 3.58. Uh, oh. Also, Whisper of the Heart was a 3.5. Tenet oh. was a 3.43, so quite close. Uh, Neverending Story, 3.5. Uh, Talented Mr. Ripley, 3.5. Uh, and that is it for things. Oh, uh, sorry. Blair Witch Project, 3.48. Also quite close. Mm. I can't believe Whisper of the Heart is that low. That movie was so good. I love that movie. That's one of my top movies oh, of all time. So it's definitely a Desert Island film for me. I I'm me, so pleased me. that you guys actually liked it, though. And the Jim, I think, all go ahead. rated it well, so it must have been you, Pepe. You must have tanked it. No, me. that can't be. <laughs> Let's look it up. Cool. I was just going to say that it's it's nice that both this one and that that movie, which are both, like, similarly non-cynical you know and very genuine and heartfelt yeah. straightforward films we reacted to mostly in a positive way and i think that that's that's a good sign overall and i'm pleased with that result as the the submitter um so did you find that information i'm close okay i should have 
tapped a little bit more, a little bit longer of a tap. We can, we can oh, no, here. sorry. I, I was just wondering, Jim uh, was the odd one out. It was oh, Ben, yeah. myself, and Pepe all gave <clears> an A, and Jim, Jim gave it a C. Jim was totally offended by that film. Just that's, hated. that's crazy. That was like that's, that was his first right. Ghibli movie, right? I think. Uh, I, don't think he was like, I don't think he like. We've done Spirited Away, and I think Cat was I'm with sure, us yeah. for that oh, one. Oh, that's either. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome back, Cat. I don't. I don't think quite. I don't think Jim was quite on the like the vibe quite yet because we did. That was the season where we did like almost all Ghibli movies, right? I'm, gonna, yeah, well, I'm bringing that one in for the rewatch. I'm gonna bring that in for the rewatch. Whisper of the heart yeah. when it's when it's we time. Still, we could still easily do a whole Ghibli season and watch five more incredible yeah. films. Well, I mean, there's a reason why Jim isn't on the show anymore. There's nothing to do with that. He's busy like and that. can't join us. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. You know, cat, you talk, you talk ill. That works, cat. More stuff, and you get <laughs> So let me do my now that I have a different camera. Let me just do this real quick. So it was Jim who graded down Whisper of the Heart. Jim! Oh, shit. <laughs> Dramatic. <laughs> yeah. The audio listeners have no idea what just happened. <laughs> yeah. I just looked at my other camera. It was great. It was everything I wanted it to be <laughs> and more. <laughs> so um, we have a final grade, 3.5. I'm very pleased with that. Um, yeah, that's that's great. Glad to hear it. Glad you all pretty much enjoyed it. And uh, I'm, I like eggs, so uh, <laughs> that, that analogy is also <laughs> acceptable. Um, it is time, though, to find out what we're watching for next week's show. It's oh, time shit. to roll the dice. It's time. Yeah, I think it's coming down to Cat this time, too. Indeed. Cat have a three-sided dice? I believe we're at three. I don't know, but ready or not. It's time! Oh, oh my so goodness. Hyped. I'm so hyped right now. Uh, it oh, is God. time to roll for the next episode where we let the dice decide our fate as to what we're watching for next show. And it's going to be a three-sided. Is that correct? Did we Did we land on... How the show uh, works so. after so many episodes. I think so, yeah. <laughs> okay, Kat, do you have a dice rolling thing? No. No. Um, okay, well, then let's... I'll supply a number for her. Uh, why don't you... No, why don't you just send her a, a link to the, the rolling site real quick? I can cut it out. Uh, sure. Yeah. It just um, might cut me from, from this oh. if I change. Oh, because well, you oh, your phone. a dice roller in Discord? Well, there I'm is, but she's all on her phone, phone now. Oh, yeah, Devin's not wrong. Um, how are you going to supply her a number then? I mean, I'll just I'll I'll roll it, and then I'll just say it for. Her. But then she'll <laughs> she'll she'll, then she'll say it. Well, that'll yeah. go over great with our audience. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> I, I love this. <laughs> Without further ado, I give you your drum roll. What'd you roll, right, cat? cat? Not a one, and it's not a three. Cat, what are what is it? It's a two. It's a two. Oh, shit. Lucky number two. 
So the movie we will be watching next week, I'm clicking the invisible cell to reveal that it is called All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Came out in 2022 and is now airing on Max, which used to be HBO Max. So Max, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed 2022 for next week's show, Series 12, Episode 3. I hope you all join us for it. Now that I I don't have to be careful because you know it was mine, so I I can say that I have not seen this one yet. (laughs) I look forward to watching it. Uh, I like getting in my movie early so I don't mess that up. Um, (laughs) So uh, join us for it. It's, It's bound to be another excellent, perfect, special episode of the show. We're winding down, but we haven't wound up yet because we need to do a little show business. Oh, man. How much do you know about show business, Mr. Valiant? Only there's no business like it. No business I know. <laughs> the two best sound drops in a row. I mean, man. I know. Yeah. And they were added They were added later on, actually. So we, we gave it some thought and came up with them. We didn't rush into <laughs> yeah, anything, right. you know? So that's, that's how that ended up. Um, and credit goes to you for that time one. That was perfect. Uh, <laughs> so unfortunately, we do make mistakes, apparently. We are not perfect. And uh, every so often, my producer approaches me with some retractions that we have to do. Uh, so let's just get through it. I, I hate admitting I'm wrong ever. It's just something I try to avoid. Um, yeah, so uh, all that therapy, 10 years of therapy gone. In our previous episode, <laughs> we erroneously reported, yeah, it's, it's that uh, fragile. <laughs> apparently, reported that Jira Ono was considering opening a sushi joint in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Unfortunately, our translators got it wrong. He actually just said he enjoys watching Mr. Rogers while eating sushi. Our sincerest apologies for the confusion uh, for everyone in the neighborhood who was expecting that to open up. Uh, There was already reportedly lines around the block. So our bad for starting that. Uh, We also claim that Mr. McFeely, the speedy delivery man himself, was set to deliver fresh fish to Jiro's restaurant. We regret to inform you that Mr. McFeely is, in fact, not certified to handle sushi-grade fish. And uh, he has been arrested and... Um, <laughs> wow, arrested. I, yeah, yes, he's taken it very Officer seriously. Clemens? That's right. In, <laughs> yes, in Tokyo. Uh, and we... And, yeah, so we apologize. <laughs> Tokyo. Yeah. Oh, he went, he's very, he's very fast. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he gets to, he gets to your house in just under three seconds after you yeah, order it. Yeah, he gets around, man. Yeah. It's, like it's, it's very quick. Yeah. It's, it's very quick. It's like a, it's, what's the Greek God? The fast one? It's like Hermes. Oh, uh, Hermes. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the, uh, he's got the little wings on his shoes. Just under three seconds from when you order. But apparently that's BS because, um, yeah, that's not a thing. Last, <laughs> last but not least. We regret our enthusiastic suggestion. Enthusiastic was, was how I would categorize that. Our suggestion that Daniel Striped Tiger would make an excellent sushi chef. We were on that for like 20 good minutes there. It appeared we failed <laughs> to consider his lack of opposable thumbs, being a puppet, uh, not to mention the health and safety concerns of a worn-out tiger puppet that's like 30 years old uh, preparing food in a sushi kitchen. So our apologies well, he, for this. Mean- Oh, oh, no, wait, we got a counter argument here. His his opposable thumb is internal. (laughs) (laughs) Technically, you're right, which is the (laughs) appropriate way to be right. Yeah. So, um, 
Mm-hmm. It would destroy the puppet, but boy, the sushi would be great. Much like a horse, all of his uh, limbs are actually fingers. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys know that about horses? Their legs are actually fingers. It's fucked yeah, up. They're Look weird, it up. Weird finger it's legs. <laughs> it's a real evolution. Evolution, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, we have a lot of wild suggestions floating around, so I would just like to apologize for all of our wild suggestions in that <laughs> in that course. Um, so. Yes, I'll read it. Uh, we sincerely apologize and ask that you bear <laughs> with us as we strive to be better. Fanny mills. Okay. We got a fanny mill, a fake <laughs> fanny mill. Don't worry. It's not real. Yeah. Oh my God. You're right. Let me read it. Let me Yay. read it. We'll find out. All right, all right. <laughs> we got it right here. We'll find out together. All right. <laughs> Subject, and I'm probably saying this wrong. A piquant perspective on Jido Dreams of Sushi. Oh. Dear hosts, longtime listener, first time emailer, <laughs> Bartholomew Bumbleshire, totally real name, from Talent Estonia, <laughs> writes, I have to say your episode on Jido Dreams of Sushi was as refreshing as a good spicy tuna roll. Mm. Your insights into Jido's sushi prowess were sharper than the knives in his kitchen. It's inspired me to learn the art of sushi making ah, in Estonia. It's going to be big. But I have to confess, wow. I can barely master making toast without incinerating it. Oh, boy. Here's hoping that my sushi <laughs> attempts don't turn out to be a fishaster. I guess he was going for disaster there. Oh, well, uh, you don't have my writer. Stretch. My writing team is, yeah. We'll, we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. Uh, I mean, if he's, from, if he's from Estonia, maybe English isn't his first language. Fishaster, no, he's funny, no? Also, <laughs> he continues. Also, we can all agree. Oh, wow. He continues. Oh, yeah. We also, we can all agree that Giro's octopus massage technique is a little bit over the top. 45 minutes, I can't even get my teenagers to focus on homework for that long. That's true. Focus <laughs> these days. Another topic. Teenagers are massaging something else for. Oh, dear. Hey-o. Oh, dear. Yeah. Keep up. This is for you in that <laughs> specific comment, Pepe. Keep up the delicious work. And I eagerly await (laughs) your next cinematic meal. All the best. From Estonia, Bartholomew Bumbleshire. The hopeful. He signs off the hopeful sushi enthusiast from Estonia. That's a a classic Estonian name. That's like the John Smith of Estonia. Bumbleshire? Bumbleshire. Oh, yeah. They're good folk. Yeah. Yeah. Salt of the earth. (laughs) They won't send a crack to steal your cow. Don't worry. Not the Bumbleshire. You You can really sit down and have a beer with them. This crap. That's right. Crack a beer, not a crack. Estonia, baby. Come visit. All right. So that finishes off our uh, show business. But I, well, I should mention uh, if you do want to write to the show. So if you don't like the fake email and you want your email to be read, I also need you to write to ben at redhenmedia.com. Uh, and don't worry, I know it says my name, but the whole, all of us will get a copy of it and we'll respond on the show. Um, you know, tell us, uh, I have a script for this part. Let us know how we're doing. (laughs) Did we get something (laughs) wrong? Did you arrive at the same conclusions as James Pepe and therefore discover objective truth? (laughs) What segment of the show is your favorite? Where are you listening from? I know that we have tons of listeners from Estonia, but where are you listening from? Write to us. Estonia. We, yes, especially though. We're big in We've, Estonia, like Hasselhoff. It is like, it is Hasselhoff-esque, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Write to us and we may choose your email to read and respond to on the show. 
Okay. I think that about wraps things up. We don't have any more segments Usually. that I remember. No, never. And it doesn't start never with done a sound. We've never done an, an additional segment. What? Devin, this is your fault. I should cut to my other cam where you can see that the door is still closed. Um, no, I did <laughs> just open the door uh, in the in the land of make-believe. And who is there? Just one more thing. Oh, shit. It's not Mr. McFeely. It is Lieutenant Columbo. And Lieutenant Columbo is here to tell us uh, that it is time for just one more thing. The segment of the show where each co-host shares a little something from outside the show and what's happening in their lives. So um, this week, I'll just briefly say that it's been all, it's basically all been about either drawing, which I'm not going to go grab, but I'm doing a commission drawing um, that's been really fun. And um, oh, fancy. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's just like, a, well, maybe I'll grab it. It's just like a, a, a girl. It's for a kid who is into astronomy and stuff. And she asked me to draw a picture of her as an astronaut walking on the moon. I think it's like oh, nice. has something to do that with what's awesome. going on with. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it probably has something to do with that, the lady that just, was the captain of the new rocket that went up um, that was a local. Uh, she's from Runner Park here, where most of us are uh, not from, but uh, live around or whatever. And so that was been popular in our city here. So probably, I'm assuming it came from that. Um, so it's either been about that or really been about um, developing some other content, either B.B. Barnum Interior, which is a parody of uh, Bo Burnham's Inside, and um, so that's one thing that I've been writing and doing and, and working on. And then the other one is another show that I've wanted to do, kind of a catch-all show. And I'm calling that Boundless Bazaar. And that's just going to be like whatever I want to do that doesn't fall into specific other categories. So I'm starting off by just nice. like doing a chapter of The Hobbit and, and focusing on that side effect of that is that I've been totally retooling like all my tech and stuff because we're actually also gearing up to do hopefully another uh, show that's more of um, we meet in person and shoot on a set and do some of you are involved. Uh, I think Devin, you're going to you're going to be joining us for that one. I hope so. Yeah, it's an unnamed Pathfinder podcast that uh, oh. that we're going to do, but it'll be like with a live set and, you know, very much more like a, a live feel to it. Uh, so that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, so it's been all about that and um, all this work I've been putting into this week, retooling the Stream Deck and OBS and fixing technical problems and rethinking the setup and trying to make it more streamlined. That's all fun stuff for me to sink my teeth into and it's something I've been meaning to do for a while. And so I've done the thing. And that's why I get to hit camera two buttons now and all that stuff. So that's been good. Kat, what have you been up to? You're back here in Sonoma County now. I am Not permanent, at the moment, yeah. No, yeah, just till Sunday. Um, but my Just One More Thing is a TV show that Devin and I have actually been watching called Yellow Jackets. Um, I definitely know that it's been uh, a name a name of a show that's been thrown around. It's pretty popular now, I think, at this point, even though it's in season two. Um, but it's really Showtime, good. Showtime, right? It's a uh, yeah, it's a Showtime show. You can uh, watch it on Paramount Plus as well. 
and I think it might actually be free on the Roku channel if you have Roku. Um, but yeah, it's a psychological thriller. Uh, I feel like it's kind of like Lord, Lord of the Flies meets Blair Witch Project kind of feel to it, um, except with teenage girls. So um, if you throw that all in the mix, you get that kind of show. Um, and yeah, so I definitely recommend watching it. It's really good. How far into the series are you guys? We're season one. We've watched the first four, I want to say. We, we, were having, we were like meeting weekly, uh, watching it. We haven't done it in like a month because uh, Cass is busy traveling now. And, and uh, yeah, but we uh, we want to get back to it. For sure. I've been thinking about it a lot. Yeah, so yeah. I've only seen the first episode and it was seemed like a pretty good setup. It reminded me a little bit of Lost and yeah, a little Lord of the Flies mm. style. Um. Yeah, I'm looking for content because there's just like the summer drought has begun. So maybe, maybe that's my next go. That's actually a good suggestion. So you guys are liking it through episode four, though. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, they got their hooks into you, the tenter hooks. Cool. Anything else you want to share, or should we kick it over to Devin? No, you can kick it over to Devin. Consider it kicked. Uh, yeah, so I watched uh, another another joint. Uh, one more thing, me and Kat went and saw Across the Spider Verse yesterday. Sweet, uh, absolutely mind boggling film. Uh, like in terms of the quality of animation, like it's it's crazy to think that at one time Disney was like the king of animation. When I can't imagine Disney ever producing anything a quarter as impressive as uh, as either of the Spider Verse films. Um, they are absolutely blowing it out of the water. And it's like, it really makes me wonder like what the future of animation will look like, because I feel like you can't come back from something like the Spider-Verse films. Stylization is a good thing. Yeah, exactly. I think, I hope that is the biggest lesson they take away from that is that, that having a unique look is what sets you apart and not making, you know, using the same design, you know, CG engine to make every movie. It just doesn't work. Yeah. That doughy kind of soft, whatever the, the, with the ones that they couldn't do much of the texture and stuff. Yeah, now that the tools exist, there, there was a lot that was lost in when we went from 2D to 3D in our popular like film animation releases. That stylization is one of the key things that we lost. Um, that ability to push things beyond the model, you know, and do that type of stuff. So the I love the trend of going back 2D and getting those elements that we're losing into the animation. I think it's key. I think it's the only way to go forward and it opens up a whole world of stylized stuff. What I hate is when they, when that fails though, and it seems to be only the higher budget ones so far can put in the amount of polish, the extra polish it takes to trick my eye into kind of seeing it as a, a 2D stylized animation when they do that. Um, some of the ones that fail for TV, like that, I just can't, they're like unwatchable. Um, but you know, that may just be the production level or something. When it works, I love it. And so I can't yeah. wait to see it. I'm glad you guys checked it out. And I hear that it's uh, no spoilers really. Well, maybe it is a spoiler. I'll, I'll give a spoiler alert. Um, I don't think it's really going to spoil anything, but there's like a part three that's coming soon after. So it may be more of like a two parter story. Yeah, it is. It is a very much a a middle a middle child in that sense. It is a um, mm -hmm. uh, two towers. 
right? That's the mm-hmm. middle one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I'm, not, I'm not a Lord of the Rings. Yet. Okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's very much a two tower. Still enjoyable yes. uh, in its own right, but uh, very much setting up something incredible to come later. Um, also, I wanted to briefly mention uh, that I have been playing Diablo 4. Uh, oh, okay. Video game. Uh, I am a, a huge. Uh, I'm, I'm a Blizzard shill. That's the that's the word for it. I'm a shill. I I know they're a terrible company. I know they employ awful people, but they also employ they, are a terrible company. they also employ a lot of really great people who make for so many really incredible too. stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah. I I like enjoying that stuff, so I continue to. And Diablo is a really like holds a very special place in my heart. Uh, Diablo two came out when I was oh, yeah Diablo 10 years old, or it didn't come out when I was 10 years old came out when I was like three years old I played it when I was like 10 years old and uh um I remember we I was living in a, a home with other families like a group home at the time and we had it on the pc in the living room and one of the uh mothers there was like this hyper religious uh, uh Mexican woman who saw the the name of the game Diablo on the oh front, no like, on the desktop and like the little it had like a little demon icon. mom on you she, yeah she was like <laughs> terrified that it was some demon worship thing and kept like deleting the icon but it, it was just the shortcut to the game so I could still play it she wasn't actually like deleting the ah, game yet it would rise uh, up so like a demon phoenix oh my god that's hilarious that's yeah, I love that uh, that's yeah, an excellent they, I mean, since since 1999, they've made two more games, and they've oh, wait, been Devin. pretty damn good. So yeah. what you're saying is Diablo 2 was your Mr. Rogers. Exactly. It was your TV dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <Yes>. exactly. <laughs> love it. Is I my love father. it. Yeah. Yes, there you uh, go. Super, didn't they make a super successful and popular mobile game of oh, Diablo? Yeah. Also? I mean, don't you guys have phones? Uh, yeah, <laughs> incredible video game. Please, please clap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, um, that was a, a blunder on their part, but I think Diablo 4 is going to turn it around. They're, they're really going back to their roots and uh, incorporating a lot of stuff from Diablo 2 and the stuff that did work from Diablo 3. Uh, yeah, I've been enjoying it a lot so far. Highly recommend. I'm also, hearing good things. Whoopi Goldberg is playing it. So, like, if Whoopi Goldberg is playing it, you should be playing it. Uh, I just read an article oh, she's about playing. how she, yeah, okay. she complained to Blizzard because it wouldn't run on her MacBook. It like wouldn't it doesn't run like Mac doesn't support uh I wish for some I reason. could hear that wow. support yeah. call. I know, right? <laughs> so the, of all the actors I could have guessed who were playing this game, not would not have been on my top one hundred. Wolfie Gold. Yeah. Huge game. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I imagine it'd be somewhat like how she was in Ghost. Not so much Guinan from uh the next generation. More of the ghost character. So why isn't this playing on my Mac? Oh man, that would be so great. It'd be like uh what was that show, Cranky Anchors? I want to see a Cranky Anchors episode <laughs> with her doing that to someone just on purpose. <laughs> just Mr. Just as a bit. Puppets. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You can draw a direct line from Mr. Rogers to Cranky Anchors. <laughs> That's yeah, all they really. care about. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for that, Devin. Anything else you want to add? Uh, that's it. I'm not not reading anything super uh, cool right okay. now. So just the the watch and a play. Cool. All right, James Pepe. Just one more thing. Yeah. So, um, despite uh, school being out, I haven't really been doing uh, too much new stuff. Um, but watching this documentary reminded me of um, a biography of. St. Francis that I read that was written by G.K. Chesterton. So Chesterton wrote a couple of uh, biographies of different people. He wrote one of Aquinas and he wrote one of um, 
I guess it's St. Francis. And the reason why uh, this documentary reminded me of this uh, biography that uh, Chesterton wrote of St. Francis is because they make uh, they sort of make a big deal in the in the documentary about like the main question people always ask about Mr. Rogers was like, is he really like that? Right? Like, is this how he is in, in real life? Um, and and you and the, the sort of like sentiment behind that is like, how are these people like these people don't seem real, right? They're how, they're, they seem so different. They seem so apart from the rest of just sort of regular old human people, right? And um, uh, for those for those who may not know, so Saint Francis is a really sort of like prominent um, saint in the Catholic Church. Um, the the church was actually a little sort of like they were sort of wary of him because he was sort of like be, he was sort of like a better version of Jesus. He was like doing more miracles and like people loved him kind of more than Jesus. The church was like Francis, you gotta chill out, man. But but he uh, yeah. He like he can't take he couldn't take two steps without doing. He's bigger than right. Jesus, like John Lennon. Was, yeah, he's bigger than Jesus. Yeah. Were they burning his albums? But, Did they burn his albums? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but when when you read about Saint Francis, you read about you're you're essentially like reading about what we would describe as just like an insane person. He's just he seems like an insane person. Um, and Chesterton. Well, what do really you mean by that? Goes. Do you have like a specific well, quick aphorism? Yeah, so, okay. Length. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So like, um, so this, this may be an apocryphal story, but so one of the one, someone once asked Francis, like Francis, what's true happiness, right? What's happiness. And Francis told them happiness is, is when you're walking in the rain and you've been walking all day and you have no food and you're cold and you see in the distance a light, and it's a Franciscan monastery. And you know, you know there's a warm bed for you there because you're Francis. You started this. They have to let you in. There's food there for you. There's a change of clothes. There's a warm bed. You're going to be okay. And, and happiness is when you go up to that door and you knock on that door, and the, and the brother Franciscan says, Get the fuck out of here. You're not Francis. We're not letting you in here. That's true happiness. <laughs> That's so useful. Yeah. Because if yeah. I if I had a bowl of rice or gruel or whatever they ate, for every time that happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When they wouldn't let you in the most. Yeah. So this is yeah, yeah. So so Francis, so Francis has a he's he's got a different, he's got a little bit different view on things, right? Yeah. The well and, expressed. And he, yeah, thank and, you. And he stands apart from a lot of even a lot of the other saints in, in ways that we we saw Mr. Rogers do. You you sort of want to ask this question: Is this guy really this way? How can yeah. he be this way? Right. And and Chesterton does a good job of sort of focusing on uh, on that and just sort of like looking at like okay, this is a very holy person and and what that looks like in a, in a, in the world. Um, and so that's why that's why it reminded me. Uh, this documentary reminded me that of, it's a, of, of, of Chesterton's uh, biography. Yeah. So where would one find that thing? Because it's, it is like that though. Like what you're, I take your point, like the, those types of people who are like that, that stand out that much and seem to have that 
I think what it is is like this extreme consistency of character almost. You know, they almost feel yeah. like a caricature because you just, they're so consistent, you know? Um, so yeah. yeah, where where might one access something like this? There, You got a YouTube channel or did you just read a book? You said you read a biography or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a copy of it. It might even be out of copyright now. You might be able to just find it online, but you can buy a copy of probably. it. Probably. I'm sure you could probably, and you could probably find an audiobook of it on, on YouTube. It's very short. It's it's probably less than 150 pages, something like that. It's very short. It's easy to read. Um, yeah. So if you're the type of person who sounds like they might want to read something about St. Francis, then Chesterton's biography of St. Francis is uh, is the one to, one of the ones to go for. I mean, there's tons of biographies of St. Francis. He's like a huge deal, but Chesterton's great. So, well, so yeah, I, I myself wasn't aware of him, but I am interested in him now. So thanks for sharing that. And I, I, I liked your point. Uh, that was uh, how it related to the show. So um, I, my curiosity is peaked. For, uh, and um, once the title, one, one more time. You know, I think it's just called Francis of Assisi. Uh, I think okay. that's oh. what it's called. And is that who he is? Okay. Assisi, that, that name yeah, I yeah. have heard. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Francis of Assisi by Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton should be easy to find. Boom. Okay. Well, thank you all for those lovely Just One More Things. It's always nice to get a new list, especially in the summer season when things are become a drought on TV and all my series have wrapped up this week. There's been like three major series that wrapped up all in the same week. It's crazy. But um, Devin, it, it seems particularly like this time it, we're in, like we have like an embarrassment of wealth in, in the video game realm is kind of how Absolutely. I feel right now. I feel overwhelmed by it in a way. Yeah, yeah. Having Tears of the Kingdom well, like four weeks ago and then Diablo 4, both these games that I want to play for 200 hours, uh, and then we have like a this short break in the middle of the summer and then uh, Baldur's Gate 3 and Starfield, which are like literally will be the two biggest RPGs for the next like 10 years are coming out oh, like a week. It's apart. a lot. It's, yeah, it's gonna break I'm the feeling world. that and I'm currently still perusing the Jedi game and still haven't played through Elden Rings. Like, like I don't know. I could spend a whole year probably catching up on these on these things if I yeah. So I'll have to I'll have to choose carefully. Um, yeah, but anyway, that that point being said, uh, thank you all for the just one more things, and I think that that is actually putting us to where it's time to do our send offs and say our goodbyes. So if Dorothy, if you wouldn't mind, um, oh there she is. I'll miss you most of all. Dorothy's here letting us know it's time to say goodbye. And just like the end of an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, we are not crying. There's just some nostalgic dust in our eyes. Don't worry. Let's start with Kat. I'm Catherine Ramirez. It's been real. Catch me at Cat uh, Ramirez with two Z's on Instagram. See you guys later. Yep. See you next time. Thanks for joining us from where are you? Santa Rosa right now? Yeah. From yeah. our neighborhood. Wow. Appropriate <laughs> show for that. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, it's all kismet. Uh, and let's go over to Mr. Devin Schwartz. 
I have been Devin Schwartz. You can find me at pandimensionalpanpizza.tumblr.com and game over, neighbor, game over. Ah, nice. Nicely put. Kismet all the way down in the neighborhood. All right, James Pepe. Yeah, I have been and still am James Pepe. And uh, thanks for coming out and listening or watching. And hope to see you back in the neighborhood in a fortnight. Yeah, join us. And this has been I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. And now that you've looked at ours, neighbor, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to smash that like button, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. Today's parting sentiment, remember, neighbors, you've made our podcast a special day by just your being you. There's no one in the whole world like you, and we like you just the way you are. Until next week, happy viewing, and always look for the helpers. Remember to watch all the beauty in the bloodshed 2022 now streaming on Max for next week's show. Until next time, keep on looking.